0: Hey everyone, looking for even more Superman talk? If you enjoy digging for Kryptonite, and I hope you do, be sure to check out my new series, Another Exciting Episode in the Adventures of Superman. It's a rewatch podcast covering the classic George Reeves television show from the 50s. You know from this podcast that I fell in love with Adventures of Superman and George's tough but charming take on the Man of Steel. Now I get to explore that show episode by episode on my new rewatch podcast. Many of your favorite guests from this show are also popping up on the new series, and I hope you'll join us too. New episodes of another exciting episode drop every other Monday, and of course, Digging for Kryptonite continues weekly every Tuesday. Find another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman on your podcast platform of choice, and be sure to subscribe right away. Adventures await. One year ago, we explored the period in Superman history from 1986 to 1993 in our series Crisis Till Death. Now, the podcast returns to the Triangle Era as we survey the post death and rain landscape in comics, toys, video games, and television. This is Death Till Wedding, a new seven part epic covering 1993 through 1996. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is Death Till Wedding, Part 3. And joining me to discuss the storylines Dead Again and The Death of Clark Kent, both featuring the villain Conduit, is returning guest, sweet, sweet Bernie Gersmeyer. Welcome back.
1: What's going on, Anthony? Thanks for having me back, man.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for coming back. This was a heavier reading assignment than the last episode that you did a couple chapters ago, when we covered hunter prey and the doomsday wars. This was a, <laughs> this was a little bit more involved. I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to do all that reading for me.
1: No, I uh, I time managed. I spread it out. <laughs> I, I did a good job. I think I finished three or four days ago, so I, I was okay.
0: Very good. By my count, I think it was thirty nine issues that we yep. read. So in the last episode, in part two. Uh, Joe and I, we had a great conversation about the period immediately following Reign of the Supermen. So we we were right in back into the Triangle era, and we talked about the Battle for Metropolis, the fall of Metropolis. We talked about Zero Hour, Uh, and so now as we move forward into this next leg in the Triangle era, Dead Again and the death of Clark Kent are sort of the two tentpole storylines, and then there are a bunch of of one offs as well that that we'll talk about too. There's a lot to cover uh, before we get to all of that. And of course, I'll lay out the specific issues and creative teams and everything. I want to give you a special thank you. I thank you off air, but now I'll thank you on the show because you sent me a package recently that included just a, a ton of awesome stuff. Uh, we talked in the last episode you did about that Eradicator action figure. That was that Toy Fair exclusive that was going to be part of that Kenner action figure line that we talked about last time. And then they did this uh, Eradicator exclusive. And you picked that up for me. Uh, You grabbed a copy of the Prestige format one-shot Superman Odyssey, and you sent me the shirt that I'm wearing now, uh, which has a a, a reproduction of the cover to Superman 79 with uh, Cyborg Superman uh, and the flag and everything from Reign of the Superman. Thank you very much. It was was awesome to receive, and I really appreciate it.
1: Oh my God, it's my pleasure. Uh, My wife makes fun of me because she says that now when I go to shows, it seems that I come home with stuff. That's not for me. She goes, "Did you buy anything for yourself?" It's like, "Oh no, I found this for Belle's boyfriend, and for Lana, and for Belle, and oh, I got something for Anthony." She's like, "Why? What did you do?" <laughs> so it's it's fun. I I love it. It's I, it's kind of like Christmas for comic people. It's like, oh,
0: I found something cool. Yeah, it's fun. Well, I, I appreciate it very much, uh, and I I wear this shirt uh, proudly, and we'll continue nice. to do so. And nice. I'm happy to to uh, display that action figure as well here in, in Flat Squirrel Studios. So, <laughs> all right, so these stories that we read, you know, one one big picture thing that I realized, and I know this is going to sound like a, a no-brainer, and it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. that it just dawned on me now, but, you know, it's called Death Till Wedding, but I could have called this the long hair era, because it, I, I realize that yeah. <laughs> this is the exact period where he had the long hair, because, uh, yeah. of course, he'll get the haircut uh, right before the wedding. So this is the long-haired version of the character now that I'm settling in to this era and rereading all of this uh well let me toss it to you first do you you like the long hair is it working for you now especially upon reread all these years later
1: I don't I don't mind it like it doesn't bother me as much as some other people I think I it's kind of interesting too it's I guess it matches the time like I think it matches that time in the 90s and I don't know was was Fabio and all those guys still around and doing that. Like it has that big, like main curly romance novel kind of look, And but it, it was fine. I, I actually kind of like the Superman hair versus the Clark Kent ponytail. I kind of dig it.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did like that differentiation. Yeah, I don't I'm not offended by it. I don't love yeah. it either. I am I'm liking it less than I thought I would because I remember it <laughs> fondly. You know, and of course, I'm a big fan. I've talked about it. You know, I love, you know, the look when he returns in the black suit with the long right. hair. Again, if you'd given him a beard, it would have just been, I think, would have taken it to another level. But I think part of my frustration is I don't feel like it's drawn consistently. Yes. Between artists. I, I think I like the Juergens version best because it's a bit more contained. Yeah. I, I feel like some of the artists do veer into the mullet territory, which is what... Fans often deride it as, and I, I don't think it's ever meant to be that. But I think sometimes, depending on the artist, it can look like that, and then other times it really is this flowing mane. Uh, which, yeah. again, you know, your mileage on that may vary. I don't hate it, but I like it. I just like the idea of like it's a little bit longer, it doesn't necessarily need to be so crazy.
1: I don't love it. It's usually in the man of steel issues that it bothers me. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the uh, is that the John Bodanov? yeah. Um, I, I'm he's fine, but I just, it's something just different about the art. So drastic from Dan Jurgen's stuff that it always irks and throws me off. But I usually like the stories a lot in man of steel, but the art just drives me a little bit bananas because it's so different. But I, but I totally understand what you're saying. I agree with you.
0: It's interesting. Cause I know, I know we've touched on this in past episodes, discussing the triangle era. It's, it's kind of curious, but ultimately I think it's it's an interesting choice that as we've discussed, right? Essentially they were creating this weekly adventure series, right? Across the four titles. And in terms of the writing, I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of consistency. I feel like the voices do, fe- you know, ring true no matter whose whose book you're reading. Yeah. But the art styles are quite distinct, and I feel like especially yeah. in this leg, but even even going back to earlier versions of the triangle era, I feel like there you know, there's so much so much variety in terms of the art style. And I guess ultimately I commend them for that choice because I feel like it would have been easy to pick artists who had similar styles or try to box artists into a specific style, which I don't think is ever really a recipe for success. So-
1: You know, it's interesting with the, with current story arcs, or maybe even I'd say since the early 2000s, you would find consistently the same artist across a run. So when you would get a trade, it, it was very easy to read the trade because it was very the continuity was nice, it flowed nicely. You almost couldn't really tell where the single issue started or ended. You could definitely in in this, I read everything single issue until the death of Clark Kent. And then I pulled out my out of print legit old death of Clark Kent trade that I haven't read probably in 20 years. Um but it was so contrasting like from one to the next it distracted me actually reading it in trade form because the art was so different
0: yeah that's the thing I, you know and i don't know if this has ever been addressed in interviews but I, that actually is something i would be curious to know what ultimately motivated that decision because for for all the reasons we're talking about it i mean it would have made sense if they had a more consistent style across the titles i i don't necessarily wish they had done that but it's just interesting to me
1: yeah and then i didn't I feel like I know Jackson guys from other stuff and I just, I didn't have a chance to do a deep dive on him, but his art looks familiar and I feel like he's done more since.
0: Yeah. I've not, I've not kept up with him either. So I'm not positive, but I'm really enjoying his stuff as as I'm making my way through these issues. Yeah. It's funny too, that you held up the trade. So I'm not, I'm not going to dump on the DC app because to the app's credit, they have all of the issues that we read for this are on the app. So no knocks on the app this time around. Well done app. But with the trades, I, I, this I did. I consulted Wikipedia because I, I had a vague memory of this, but I wanted to double check. So the the entire period, the late 93 through 96 that we're covering yeah. in this death to wedding event, only three trade paperback collections. Oh, yeah. Yes. They did the death of Clark Kent, which you held up, the trial of Superman and the wedding mm. and beyond. That's it. Those were the only trades that they did at the time. And they're out of print. I know they did a new version of the wet. They did a wedding hardcover uh, recently, but.
1: And I feel like, wasn't there a massacre? Is that is that the Trial of Superman with the massacre character? I think that's in there.
0: He does pop up in that, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and I hate to say, I hate to be this way, but it's like, it kind of is a little telling as to maybe why there's no trades. And, and we'll get to this more. <laughs> <laughs> well, will we'll talk more about this but maybe there's a reason there's no collection to prove they existed
0: <laughs> maybe maybe and that might point to what some of our impressions are going to be but i guess and i you know i also do rec- i do recognize this was a different time right stuff wasn't yeah. getting collected the way it is now i i totally get that but i don't know it's i guess especially coming out of death and funeral and rain right and a lot of the stories we're talking about in these episodes, these were big stories. Like we talked about this last time, the fact that the the fall of Metropolis never got a collection. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of curious to me. Similarly Dead Again, Dead Again's an 11-part yeah. story. This thing like didn't yeah. end. <laughs> Just Well, going. and
1: and I and now the the Fall of Metropolis starts with the Battle of Metropolis. So it's that's also I feel like isn't that 12 or something 13 issues or something like that? It's, it's actually it's
0: not as long. See, that's the thing. I feel like it it, <laughs> it felt <laughs> Felt like oh, it ran oh, no. for more issues than it did.
1: It actually okay. wasn't
0: that many. I I think bat I, I mean we ju- I just read and talked about yeah. it, but I think battle and fall were, were each like four or five. I mean they were oh, okay. they weren't All that right. long, but it maybe had that
1: maybe, I rem- maybe I'm remembering it wrong.
0: <laughs> it just felt like that city was just getting demolished over and over and over and over.
1: <laughs> and Lex Lex is getting older and weaker, and yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, I guess the last thing by way of setup, and then I'll rattle off the issues that we read, was this is yeah. the big Conduit episode. Yeah. Big. This is, for as long as I've been doing this podcast, every time there's an opportunity to mention Conduit, like, oh, Conduit, the great lost villain of Superman mythology. Yeah. Uh, I remembered him fondly from for reading him as a kid. And as I started thinking about the character and, and getting ready to reread these issues, I was thinking about the, his motivation, the fact that he he has this this hatred towards Clark specifically and then he learns the secret identity and it sort of all p- clicks into place for him mm-hmm. uh, the look of the character the kryptonite powers of course the action figure from that kenner line we discussed you know all of that sort of worked together and so i was coming into this i'm like all right like now let's see let's see if the character lives up to to my memory and and what i what i've built him up to be in my head I'll deliver my verdict in a second. But but for but for you, I guess, what, if any, attachment did you have to the character? And how did you... I mean, we'll talk about the specific stories, but just big picture. I mean, how, how do you come away from this reading project thinking of Conduit? Worthy villain, so, deserves a comeback, or best left in the 90s?
1: <laughs> Ooh, okay, that's the, obviously a longer answer that we're going to get into. The, this era is very nostalgic for me, though, and we talked about this before the episode. Even down to the we've talked about the action figures. Like, it's like, wow, we finally got a, a Man of Steel action figure line. It was relevant, it was current. We got a current villain like Conduit. There was a Massacre figure. We had Hunter Prey in Doomsday. Um, I actually love this Conduit figure a lot. and I have it on one of my shelves here because the, the helmet comes off. Like, I always loved, I always loved any action figure where, like, I remember like, you know, I'm looking at my Han Solo Stormtrooper outfit. Like, ooh, the helmet comes off and you see his face. Same thing. I get like really nostalgic about it because of the toys. Um, Unfortunately, as we're going to say on my my reread, it's kind of one of those things that stays, I think, in nostalgia. And I like the character a lot, actually. But the character is one of the best parts of the arc. I do think he's worth bringing back. The question is how based on how the story ends in the
0: long run. Alright, so I think I think we're pretty aligned on this because here here's my verdict. I I think there's a lot of potential with this character. I don't think that the stories we read fully realized that potential. Right. And I guess in my head, I remember them better than they ended up being. And I think that that contributed to my love of the character. I'm like, oh, it's this is a great story. Going back to it, there there were a number of things that I felt could have could have made conduit stronger, more compelling. And it, and it, it just didn't really coalesce the way I remembered it or the way I wanted it to. So I think that, so I think that the character is worthy. And I think there's a lot of potential there, but looking back on it, I don't know that that potential was, was really, you know, brought to life. And so for other people who are like, Oh, I don't, what's the big deal with conduit? I do kind of, I do kind of get that a little bit more now, <laughs> you know, well, I gone back.
1: It, Ultimately, the story of Conduit is an abusive tale. Yeah. Like, it's not his fault. And that's the thing. It's, it's a very interesting... Um, how do you say it? It's kind of uh, a tale of sadness about how Kenny's dad treated him. And how any anybody who would never live up to a father's expectations could possibly grow up into somebody who's very dangerous and look for any other reason to blame anybody but his dad. Um, I do think I, I wish there was a little more Kenny redemption at the end because it really wasn't his fault. Like the dad kind of gets away scot free. Um, that's that was one of the big things that I took away that I was frustrated with at the end of the arc in um, in Death of Clark Kent. That this is the dad's fault. He and 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 even how Superman addresses it you can see he's upset. So not to go too far in, but it this is the part that makes me sad because it is not a tale of a villain. It's a tale of a hurt, abused person that went bad.
0: Well said. And I'll even take it a step further. When we talk about who's at fault here, we need to talk about Clark as well. I got a lot of thoughts on the zero month issues, yeah, which we'll start with. it's rough. But the yeah. other thing too is that, and this will not shock you or the audience, as I'm reading this, the story of someone who Clark grew up with <laughs> who came to hate him later and bear this grudge? Ooh, you can't help but think of the tragic tale of the Lex Luthor of the Smallville TV series, and so I yep. did empathize, and especially when you bring in the father aspect, for sure. Yeah, uh, it definitely brought all of that to mind. So, yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's more to explore, and I, you know, I've touched on this before. I think in term re- in recent comics, I think there there might be an opportunity to see the character again, and I would be curious to see what. You know, what current creative teams might do, because I, I think there's, there is more to do. Um. All right, so we'll get into all of this. This is what we we yeah. read for this. <laughs> so, we read, <laughs> so we read the zero issues. All four Superman titles had a zero issue immediately following zero hour. In addition to that, we read Adventures of Superman 517 through 525 by Carl Kiesel right. and Barry Kitson, who was then succeeded by Stuart Immonen. A welcome switch. And this is not a knock on Kitson, but I don't know yeah. that I really liked his art as a fit for Superman. So I was very happy Hi. when we got that change.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Action Comics, 704 to 711 by David Michelinie and Jackson Geis. Man of Steel, 38 to 46 by Louise Simonson and John Bogdanov. And Superman, 94 through 102 by Dan Juergens. And unless I'm mistaken, uh, issue 100 is the last regular issue that Juergens draws.
1: I think you're right.
0: Because after that, Gil Kane does a couple. And then a little bit down the line, Ron Friends comes on as the you know, the regular Superman artist. So it's really yeah. the end of an era in, in what we're reading here.
1: Well, yeah, because Juergens, when did Juergens take over officially, Anthony? It was, he didn't start with the death, but he took over quite a bit before that. We, 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 we talked through some of those.
0: And yeah, and he was on one of the other titles first before he made his way over right. to Superman. So I, I would have to double check that, but he, he was on there. Yeah, he was on there for a, a decent stretch before the death.
1: Yeah, and he does come back later in the 2000s, obviously. Like he yes. came back into different eras. Um, he will, I, I, I've never had the chance to meet Dan Jurgens. I've always wanted to just say, like, thank you for being basically one of the artists and writers that I always gravitate to when I think about Superman. Like, I remember tracing, I remember taking the Superman page of him catching Booster Gold in the air. And as a as a high schooler and in college, like tracing over it and like working on trying to copy Dan Jurgens is just something very magical and special about his art for Superman. I love it.
0: I echo all of that. I mean, when I when I close my eyes and think of the character, his rendition is far and away one of the first that comes to my mind that was as we've discussed, I mean, a very, you know, that hit me at a very formative time. So that really cemented in terms of what I think yeah. of as the look of the character.
1: So, and we we see it in these issues, especially Dan Jurgens knows how to make Superman look scary. He actually does a very good brooding, like looking out of the top of his eyes approach, whether it was in the Doomsday Fight or later. It was, it was always kind of haunting how he did it, but then returned right back to that natural Superman that we know. Yeah.
0: Right on. Cool. Uh, I I could mention this later, but let me drop it in now so I don't forget. Because this really uh, it brought a smile to my face. Got to love a little synergy when it when the opportunity presents itself. Uh, there were there were a couple of of instances in the issues we read where, in the context of the story, they referenced something that was a, a product uh, for Superman fans in the real world. So, in the Toyman issue that we'll, that we'll get to. Uh, when Toy Man uh, escapes prison and he's looking at the the line of action figure toys, it's essentially that Kenner Man of Amazing. Steel line that we talked yes, about. And there's another instance where young Keith, who's now been adopted by Perry and Alice, uh, is is at the video game store, the arcade or whatever. And they're playing the Death and Return of yes. Superman video game, which, folks, that's the subject of our next episode. Next week, part four of Death to Wedding. i played that whole game i beat it it's it's, it's, i already recorded the episode we did a little uh, bit out of order it was so much fun make sure you come back next week for that it's it's, uh, i'm really excited for people to hear that but
1: i'm so excited it's finally coming out
0: (laughs) but but reading but reading you know those those stories i was like okay like they're bringing in stuff that that was out there and i could have made me roll my eyes but it actually made me smile
1: i will tell you I, I may I I have like asterisks in my notes to make sure it's like one of those, make sure you talk about this with Anthony. One of the joys for me of reading um, in single issue form. I rarely take books out and read. For these, they're not worth a ton. They're not collectors. They're just they're special to me to have. The ad placement in these single issue comic books. Oh my gosh, it brought me back so hardcore. There's so many Super Nintendo ads. There are Street Fighter, the movie ads. Oh, that was special. They had like, it's amazing too. NBA Jam, Clearasil. Like it was just like the oldest looking 90s ads inside a comic. And the Death and Return Superman video game kept popping up at that, like in the early issues, like zero hour in that time was So great.
0: Yeah, that's, that is one of the things, you know, for the most part, I'm reading on the app or in right. instances that I have the trades. So in either case, I'm not getting the ads every now and then though, it will be something that I can only read in single issue form right. or, or whatever. And uh, yeah, it is always a treat. It does, you know, between the, the feel and smell of the old paper oh and gosh, seeing the yeah. ads, it is, it is a different experience, uh, you know? Yeah. And, I,
1: and they've held up. It's the newspaper. I mean, that newspaper paper has held up very, very well. I mean, I keep things safe, obviously, but um yeah, I I love it. It's it's just fun to read things in sing, single issue form. Yeah. All
0: right, so zero month. We've come out of zero hour big yeah. DC wide event. Every title had a had a zero hour crossover. Now we have zero month. So all the books are getting zero issues. And you know, DC would do this again during New 52. And the idea Jurgen's talked about this in the I think it was Jurgens talking about this in the introduction to the Zero Hour hardcover, how the idea was after Zero Hour, this was an opportunity if any creative teams on books wanted to smooth out any continuity issues, sort of you yeah. know, tinker around with, with continuity, <laughs> this was their opportunity to do it in their, in their Zero Issue. So uh, in the case of Superman, I don't know that we necessarily saw a lot of that going on. It was really more over these four issues, we got some glimpses into Clark's past Hand in hand right. with the introduction of this Kenny Braverman character, mm-hmm. uh, where would you like to start? Should we talk about the the Clark of it all first, and and this this vision of him that's presented here?
1: Well, and something that so for the readers too, like something I didn't remember is that Clark and Kenny are born on the same night, mm-hmm. so they are literally following like the same path, like they're the same path in Smallville. But wow, does it take like a drastic direction when you look at the Kents versus the Bravermans. And, and it's a very simple, non-Elseworlds approach to, well, what if what if that rocket didn't land in the, in the Kents? And what if Kenny Braverman's dad found him? Like, how would that have been very different? Um, there is the Clark of it all. Go ahead. Let's, let's jump right in. <laughs> well, like, let, like, let me it's just, tough.
0: just, just to piggyback off of what you just said. So, you know, for anyone who doesn't remember or hasn't read it, uh, as like you said, you know, they're born on the same night. So as Clark's rocket, the matrix is passing over the Smallville sky, uh, Kenny's mom is giving birth in the backseat of the car and the the rocket passes overhead. And what we later find is that Kenny is affected by the radiation, the kryptonite radiation emanating from the ship. And he develops these powers. And when he's an adult, he'll later go to the CIA and they'll outfit him in, in the conduit suit. So the, that look, I think people are probably familiar with, uh, but the black helmet and the yellow cables and the gauntlets. And I said this in the last episode. What I realized in, in looking at the character again, it's like, oh, I get why I like the character so much. It's a very like Power Rangers esque design. Yes. And as a kid, yeah. I don't think I made that connection. But now as an adult, and now as an adult, but part of me says, oh. I wonder if that's what they were going for because this is the time. And in the Supergirl centric issue of Action Comics that was in our reading, she even yes. refers to herself as a Mighty Morphin Rangerette at a certain point, And that yeah. stopped me. And I was like, oh, yeah, like we're, we're, this is 94, 95. Like this was the time for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So I wonder if that was a bit of an influence or a reason that, oh, like, kids will like this.
1: There's reading through almost all of this, you also notice. there was a conscious effort to draw or create villains that were action figure worthy. They never clearly because of the sales of the man of steel line didn't do well. And they actually stopped at series. They they didn't even release series three. Um, But they were trying, like if you look, if it's, it's so it's like early image comics characters too, like that early Jim Lee stuff where everything's very, bulky and there's armor and all that kind of stuff too. Valiant comics, all that kind of stuff too. Um, But yeah, it it definitely harkens to the like power Ranger E
0: costume. I love it for sure. So we find out through flashbacks uh, that Clark and Kenny were buddies growing up. It was, it was sort of a Clark and Kenny and Pete and Lana and Kenny always came in second to Clark in all of these athletic events. And what what sort of brings all of this up is that Clark in the present starts receiving these photos from his childhood with Kenny and Pete and Lana with Clark's face cut out. And one of the photos is from Clark and Kenny's birthday because of course, like you said, they share the birthday. Uh, so that's what prompts Clark to reminisce about his past and his time with Kenny. And... This really, this whole runner here really rubbed me the wrong way. So when we got Burns, Man of Steel, which we've discussed on the show, right? Yeah. Gone were the days in the, in the origin story, in the Smallville portion, where Clark is watching the, watching the football game longingly from the stands because he can't play. Nah, in Burns, Man of Steel, he's out there. He's scoring the touchdown. That was a departure. Yeah. Yep. And we can sort of debate how we feel about that. But in my mind, I was like, okay, you're sort of giving him this. Even Smallville, right? Smallville sort of had their cake and ate it too because they had a few seasons where they didn't let Clark play, and then he got to have a taste of it in his senior year. And it's like, all right, at least you give this guy a moment of happiness before <laughs> everything that will unfold moving forward. Yeah. It's like, all right, I can <laughs> I, I can get on board with that. <laughs> but these stories establish Clark as the top athlete ac- across sports. Across sports. He, yeah. He's just winning everything. and. <laughs> and the it's thing, pretty
1: crappy. Like it really is.
0: And here's the thing that drove me nuts. Well that in and of itself, but Lois, Lois calls him out. She's like, Hey, do you think maybe you had an unfair advantage? And Clark goes, Oh no, my powers didn't develop till senior year. It's like, listen, if yeah. you're winning everything, <laughs> don't you, yes. he just came off as so naive to me. It's like, yes. can you not entertain the possibility that maybe you did have an advantage here? <laughs>
1: Maybe your powers, like, were <laughs> manifesting. So yeah, you couldn't blow a hole in a wall yet, but you were clearly the best at everything. Like, come on, how can you be so dismissive to Lois about it? It's like, oh yeah, maybe you're right. I probably, I probably could have held back. I should probably give those
0: trophies back. <laughs> Track and field, baseball, yeah. football, everything. This kid tried his hand at. He was number one. Yeah. And the fact that he wouldn't even allow for the possibility that he had an unfair advantage to me did not feel like Superman. And I also think that had he allowed that, you know, you're mentioning before that there's no redemption for Kenny in, in this story. Right. And it's like, maybe, you know, that could have been a moment there where Clark's like, yes, you know what? Look, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I think <laughs> I think I might've done you a disservice. I didn't mean yeah. to.
1: I'm at fault too. And it also kind of harkens that, Clark was kind of oblivious in high school. Like, how are you friends with Kenny? How are you the same exact age as Kenny and not notice that this poor kid always comes in second to you? Like that's going to rub a friend the wrong way. Like you're not really being a, good friend to this kid.
0: Well, you know, that's something else too, because look, I, I was never a, a great athlete. Uh, right. I played basketball. You said, right. Like so obvious. Thanks.
1: No, I, <laughs> I, I I'm saying right. Like I resonate. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm the band director. I'm not known for my football skills.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just teasing. But, you know, I like I played basketball for at a little bit in elementary school that was it. So I, I don't I don't know really what that's what that yeah. world is really like when you're really competing and especially as you you know get into high school or college. But right. if this kid really is such a close friend, even even putting the powers aside, like let's say Clark really didn't have powers or didn't not like whatever. Yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. And people might disagree with this. It's like, no, if you have the ability, you should always strive to win. And, and maybe I, I guess that maybe that there's a good argument for that. But part of me is like, I don't know. Could you like let the kid win something once or
1: or like there clearly was never if you're this close friends like you would think. I mean, we know that guys are different than girls on how they communicate in high school, but at the same time, you think there was never a conversation of like, man, it's killing me, Clark. Like, you're always one step ahead of me. For the amount of heart that Clark has, you would think that that would resonate at that age also, how he was raised.
0: Did you like that we were introduced to a character we had never seen before, who now allegedly was part of this group all along? Did you like that? Or did you think that, I guess should this have been Pete? Yes, it
1: it it is really interesting because I feel like they almost like gaslight us to like like oh didn't you know <laughs> Kenny's always <laughs> been here? <laughs> like, yeah, dummies. Yeah, I mean, yeah, didn't you ever notice in the back pages of the Bronze Age era it was Pete, Lana, and Kenny? <laughs> like it's like a, it's like when you uh, what's when, when TV shows replace. A character with a different actor you're like yeah I didn't, that's fine mm, well <laughs> like, we're gonna be experiencing
0: no. that on superman and lois in the new season so Shh, yeah, that's a different
1: that's a different episode
0: <laughs> but but you know uh did you watch lost oh my gosh
1: that's hilarious you just said that one yes two we just started the rewatch because lana hasn't seen it so we're gonna now do the deep dive with her
0: oh that's so good my wife and i just finished the oc and Lost oh. is on the list because I've seen it and she hasn't. And it's like, we, yeah. we have to watch it at some point, but but uh, this will be a real quick tangent audience. But <laughs> in I think it's season three, there was a spotlight episode where I, I guess they had been part of the season earlier on, but basically like, you know, you have all these survivors on this Island and yeah. you have your core characters you always see. And then in the third season, they introduced these new characters we had never seen before, but it was like, Oh no, like, no, they were always there.
1: Like, where were they? Were they like, hiding under a palm tree for the first two seasons. That's yeah. It just cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah, We're, we're watching lost. And right now, as we're doing this podcast, uh, Renee and Lana are starting Friday night lights together.
0: That's the best. That is the best.
1: I was, I was like so excited to come down and do the podcast, but I, I walked out at like the end of the first episode. I was like, Oh man. Oh, like it's, it's just awesome.
0: One of the best. So, and, just to give people a, a look ahead, one of our final episodes of the year, okay. uh, later later at the beginning of the winter, we're going to take a look at the Greg Rucka run on an adventure as a Superman, which dealt with the the Ruin character. I don't want to get mm. too ahead of ourselves or spoil much, but I'll leave it at this. This was another opportunity where it's like, hey, maybe there could have been an avenue for Pete here. I feel like, yes. I feel like creators are always trying to spare Pete. Uh, you know, a villainous turn or 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 something, but they do it at the expense of utilizing him. So it's like, yes. I get, all right, you don't want to make him a villain, but it's like, you don't do anything with the guy. So
1: they, I, they kind of almost emasculate him all the time. Yeah. Like he never really wins. Like he never seems to like even save the day, but I would almost rather have seen Pete, In this role instead of Kenny. Yeah. I think that would have been even harder. I think that would have been you look at somebody, you talk about the Smallville episodes, you can see in Smallville the resentment that Pete Ross has for Clark eventually down the road and when he returns even. I think I think that was a missed opportunity. Instead of fooling us that Kenny's always been around since the day Clark landed, that would have been a pretty natural progression for Pete Ross's character.
0: Totally. Totally. So you know, we're getting this backstory, and in yeah. addition to Clark being this this superb athlete, also quite the ladies' man. Yes, I, 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 you know. Now, look, he doesn't need to be a monk. He, you know, he's a young guy. He's unattached. He, you know, I, I, I'm on board with him having relationships, dalliances, whatever. But in addition to the you know, the typical Lana high school romance, which I feel like – and maybe this was a zero-hour shift. I feel like they they seem to allude to like a little bit more there. Because I, f- I feel like in Man of Steel, it was always just kind of like, oh, sh- she loved him, but he looked at her as like a sister. And I feel like yeah. here, they, it seemed like there might have been a little bit more going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but we find out later when he's in France that uh, this – this uh, woman reporter uh, really takes him under her wing uh, in more <laughs> ways than one, so to speak. And, you know, Clark is telling Lois all of this. <laughs> and Lois is basically like, oh yeah, like I heard Simone is the woman. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. like Simone has a reputation, right? And Clark says to her, he's like, well, you know, she made a lot of introductions for me, this and that. And he goes, but yeah, she was also a, and he calls her something in French. Do you speak any French?
1: No, I don't. Well, mostly bad words. Um. Well,
0: did you did did you happen to know this one?
1: No, what's was this one.
0: So I, I, I can't speak any, so I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I'll, <laughs> I'll butcher it. But I typed it into Google, the three words. And the first thing that comes up, it's like your safe search is off. Explicit results will be shown. Oh, like, no. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want this. <laughs> uh, so, so I broke it down one word at a time. But if my translation skills were accurate, or not mine really, but Google's, Essentially, was calling her a real slut.
1: Nice.
0: Now, wow. now here's the thing. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's not the the one to one translation. Maybe it has. There's a different. It, a different connotation in in the French word. I don't know. But the spirit of it was that. And maybe I'm really, she's
1: a a lady of the world. We'll say.
0: I mean, look, that was certainly. I, I you know yeah. to to play devil's advocate and on behalf of Clark. <laughs> you know maybe it was more the spirit of it was like yeah she was you know again she seemed to take these young reporters under her wing and and yeah. show them the ropes in in and out of the journalism field but yeah. even still it's like hey who are you to like <laughs> to say this <laughs> or, to, or to judge and it's like hey you're enjoying her company so i don't know i i felt that felt disrespectful and it didn't feel like like superman to me
1: No, clark it's really funny. Like, and it's, I always kind of refer to Superman as Clark, even though he's, you know, we, we he's sometimes acting or in Superman's garb. He kind of is a rube sometimes. <laughs> he doesn't like, he doesn't always fully read the room. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? It's like he's not really fully aware. And that's very evident with Kenny, too. Like, it seems like even as an d- adult, sometimes Clark, as smart and astute as he is as Superman, in his Clark life, he doesn't really pay attention as much, it seems.
0: Yeah, I suppose. And then, you know, we have another flashback to a, a later period where Clark's in Metropolis, and he's with this redhead named Ruby, and he's like, oh, we're just friends. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like this guy is just chasing tail and doing really <laughs> well everywhere he goes, which I think this brings me to my larger point and where we can tie all of this together, where we look at Clark the ladies' man and Clark the athlete. Yeah and this is where I I really do have a fundamental disagreement with this depiction of the character, because there, especially when we talk about this early period leading up to him becoming Superman, but even beyond that, there always, there, there always has to be some sort of tension. Some, you know, something that the character is struggling against internally. Like,
1: like shouldn't he be fighting his upbringing? That's ultimately what you're saying, right? It's, like we he knows better the Kent's raised him better why is there not an outer struggle that we see because we know he knows better he was not raised by bad people he was raised by wholesome good-hearted kind loving people
0: right yeah no i mean there's there's that especially in the treatment of kenny <laughs> but but, yes. but even beyond that it's just I know we're dealing with the version of the character post-crisis where it's Clark first, Superman second. And look, that's the version I grew up with. I love that. I, that yeah. Clark is who he is. I, I'm all for that. But if things come so easily to Clark and to Superman, I feel like you're losing something here. And I'll use television as an example, because when we look at modern Superman on television, mm-hmm. Lois and Clark, look, is it the all-time greatest? No. But there's a lot of value there, having recently revisited it. Lois and Clark, Smallville, my number one always, and currently Superman and Lois. And it's like, you look at all of these and there is there is this internal tension, there's this struggle, and it, it all comes from a very human relatable place, right? You know, yeah. and Lois and Clark matters of the heart. He's trying to navigate a relationship. And, Super, and Smallville, it's about growing up, right? He's trying to figure out who he's gonna be in the world and, and he, mm-hmm. he's different. He feels different, he is different, and, and it's a struggle for him. And, and
1: Superman and Lois, he's a dad.
0: Yeah. So now you have this whole family dynamic. And so yeah. uh, you know, regardless of which part of the journey kind of we're looking at, there's an, always an opportunity for that. And I feel like here, especially in the origin portion of the story, yeah, you've made it like way too easy for him. I really feel like you're we're losing something here. And this could just be the Smallville fan in me, right? Used, used to seeing Clark kind of struggle yeah. through this period, but- I don't know. It's like, it was, it seemed like it was just such a breeze for him. I don't like, well,
1: this. no. And we didn't see him looking for guidance. That was something I noticed too. in in that arc where when stuff was going wrong or down or Eve, like he was spending a lot of time protecting his loved ones throughout the whole Kenny Braverman arc, but I didn't really get a sense of him asking for help on how to deal with it. He was so bent on protecting and stopping, but not how do I, How do I do this? How do I get out of How do I stop somebody who hates me this much?
0: Yeah. Side note, I don't want to take a quick commercial break, but uh, the the other thing that stood out to me about this arc, I'm sure you've seen the meme on social media recently. Someone wrote, you know, I would love to see a Superman movie where the CIA is trying to take out Clark Kent and they can't figure out why they can't kill him. Uh, (laughs) Folks, if you found that amusing and you want to see that, it's read these zero-month issues because issue after issue, Conduit tries to kill Clark Kent. And he just can't can't do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's hilarious.
0: Because at this point, and this will be a frustration that I'll talk about more later, Kenny doesn't know that Clark is Superman. He wants to kill this guy. He wants to kill somebody because he came in second place to him in high school. Yes. Which, well, I'll say my frustration now. I feel like if we want to give some more relatability, depth, nuance to the character, Mm -hmm. I feel like Kenny should know the secret before he embarks upon this murder quest. Because yeah. I feel like if if he's not, not that not that murder would ever, you know, <laughs> not right. that it would ever be justified, but I like it would make <laughs> it like we, when we get to the point in these issues where Kenny does learn the secret, it it becomes more believable that he would go to the yes. extremes because now yeah. there's this whole element of betrayal and this unfair advantage. But at this point in the story, we're not there. He thinks he lost fair and square, but he's he just doesn't like that Clark was better than him.
1: Yeah, it is a little, like, it's a little unrealistic. Like, it's like uh, one of us having a beef with somebody, like, and you've been looking at the yearbook for 10 years and you're just mad. And now I'm going to go find him and kill him. That's weird. Like, that's that's psychopathic. It made It would have made more sense for him to break when he finds out somehow, accidentally, that Clark is Superman, then you got something to be pissed off about. Cause then he's like, wait, he wronged me our entire life. And that again, like you said, we're, we're not saying it's okay to kill him, but but it would have made a whole lot more sense.
0: Yeah. So that definitely, uh, I, I thought that was a misstep and I had forgotten that part of it, honestly, until I yeah. was rereading. Cause I I remember the death of Clark Kent and at that point right. he knows, but I forgot these early issues and it's like, oh, this guy's really just nuts And and I think that took something away. I think that this could have been more interesting, but let's take a quick commercial break. And then there's so much more to unpack. We'll be right back. Acme comics is a locally owned and operated full service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine time Eisner award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available and all offerings are available to anyone anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay. Listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey city. Hang on to your shorts in Asbury park point lookout on long Island and in the cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at FilmFreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. All Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit comics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Aw Yeah! And we're back. All right. So we come out of zero month and now we get into a surprisingly lengthy storyline here called dead again, where a core, a Superman corpse shows up in, uh, the, or underneath the Superman statue.
1: Yeah. That was right after, after after a fight with conduit. Yes. Right. So it's, it's as conduits basically getting arrested finally. And Superman takes him down. He's like, wait look in there. <laughs> it's like he, he's in handcuffs, like, well, who's that under the statue? It's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So now everyone is wondering, what's the deal with this corpse? And you have Professor Hamilton running all yeah. of these tests, which seem to conclusively prove that the corpse is the real Superman and the Superman we've been following since the reign is an imposter of some sort. And we go from there. What? I mean, this 11 part storyline, what, what was your take on dead again?
1: I, I actually remember liking Dead Again a lot because don't forget, like we're reading, we are rereading them because we know what happened. We're we're now years in the future. You know, don't forget, it they could have really messed us all up. They could have played a fast one on us, saying like, actually, that's not Clark. Like that really is a clone. Something happened. You could have brought in Lex. So it was kind of interesting because they play it off too, where Superman's starting to lose his mind he's starting to go mad because he's kind of a little, he's a little bit believing, well, maybe I'm not real. What's going on? I, I, of the two, actually, I really enjoyed dead again a little bit more than death of Clark Kent. And that's my opinion.
0: Right on. I, Oh, Hmm. I think from a,
1: from a comic book story, I think it is more fun to read. Let's put it that way about that.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with you because I think one of the things that makes it really fun is that. It ultimately becomes Superman's tour through the DCU because he keeps coming yeah. up with all of these other, su- you know, he keeps running through his list of suspects who could be behind this corpse. Yeah. Um, and so we see him track down the Eradicator and Brainiac and Luther, and uh, he goes to Apocalypse and New Genesis, yep. and so uh, that aspect of it is is really fun. I think. You oh, Mister
1: Mixie Mix Mr. Mixamutalik yep, too.
0: Exactly. I think in the end, I give the edge to the death of Clark Kent, but Dead Again is is a lot of fun and. If if the death of Clark Kent warranted a trade paperback, I would I'd go I would argue that Dead Again did yeah. as well. I think this should have been collected.
1: Well, because and it may still be, who knows? Like maybe this episode will do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somebody out there's listening, like, you know what? Bernie and Anthony are right. Um, I mean, like you said, it it's a lot of guest star issues that's fun to see them. And the Brainiac stuff alone, it's really the end of the Milton Fine era kind of, I think, too. I don't think we see this era come back, do we?
0: Oh, you know, that's a good question. So when we did Doomsday Wars, we saw, I guess, the last gasp of that version. And then he has the new form by the end of it. I don't remember. Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to be getting to this in one of my upcoming episodes. There was a four-parter that Mark Wade and Tom Pyre wrote. Okay. It was like a it was a fill in. I mean, like they took over the books for a month, and it interesting. I don't think it got a lot of fanfare, but where Brainiac switches bodies, with like he takes over Superman's body, and Superman's mind is trapped in this like kid's body. Do you remember this?
1: Oh wow! Now I gotta like I gotta look that up.
0: So anyway, but if nothing else, this is definitely one of the last iterations or outings for uh, the Milton Fine incarnation of the character.
1: Right. Um and i mean how do you want how do you want to jump in and look at this as far as how the reveal is that who the real who the real issue is
0: well we, i think we can i mean the story's yeah. <laughs> decades old so i think we can let people know yeah, that the, we can, that the there's person no spoilers. the person pulling the strings was was brainiac
1: and and i love it that they did the bait and switch too cuz you see brainiac like a coma patient drooling and they're like nah, it can't be but then they they do a pretty good job of why he was doing that
0: yeah, so I guess he's been allegedly in this vegetative state on New Genesis following the Panic in the Sky story. Right. Uh, but it turns out that he, it was actually, I guess, his subconscious that conjured this thought construct. Like, the corpse wasn't yeah. real. It was this thought construct that everybody perceived to be real. Uh, and then eventually he he did wake up and continued to pull strings and then ultimately had a physical right. confrontation in the streets of Metropolis.
1: I, I liked that, actually, because you even see, like, they show the newspaper where like it was a mass illusion for everybody. So even like you look at the newspaper and there's no corpse in the picture. So somebody took a photo of it and there wasn't anybody there, but everybody was under the illusion that it was real.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Like, I don't know. What, what can I say about this arc? I think it's a good hook. I think the yes. hook of it is really, is really interesting. Like, okay, we've had all of this business with the death, the return, the imposters, and now there's this corpse. To your point, you know the thing that this made me think of was the Spider-Man clone saga, yes, which was happening right at the same time in the mid '90s when it yeah. turned out, for the time, of course, we would that would later be retconned, but that the the Peter Parker that fans had been reading for decades at this point was actually a clone, and the real yes. Peter Parker, aka Ben Riley, yeah. was was back. I mean, that got me into Spider-Man. One day, years from now, when I do my Spider-Man podcast, we'll have multiple episodes on this, <laughs> and I'll talk about it at great length. But it's one of those things. I mean, I think, not not to take us too far afield, <laughs> the yeah. Spider-Man thing didn't work for fans because it, so much time had passed. Yes. But here, it was a very short amount of time, which I guess makes it, you know, if you're reading it fresh, it does make it more interesting because it's like, well, you know, they they yeah. could have they could have pulled something. I don't know how much... Mileage they would have really gotten out of it, but they could have.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's why it worked when we were reading it, because it was so close. And you asked the question, oh, oh no, like have we have we been fooled? I mean, I, I think it's a fun, like you said, it's a fun romp through the DC universe. We we get a lot of <laughs> I didn't do it <laughs> from all different villains. We do get a little cameo again from dark side and the fact that he has cyborg Superman yeah, and we, and, and the fact that basically dark sides debt to Superman is now paid. That was a, that's a big deal because Superman had a pretty awesome chip that he could use and now it's used. So I love seeing the fact that like he's got that wild card now in his hand.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think that was one of the first, if not the first, uh, references in the main titles to the hunter prey miniseries, which really, you know, kind of existed on, on, on the side. Um, so that was kind of cool. Like it was nice to see that referenced. I think uh, what I liked about the story was, was like you said, the fact that, I mean, we, as the readers have some doubt reading it the first time, right. Uh, but Superman has doubts as well. And low, you know, the people around him do. And I think that's an interesting angle and there are moments where Superman, I think, behaves in a very human way. And and, and it was interesting, like when Hamilton wants to run tests and he's like, oh, there's a situation that really requires my attention. And it's this mugger that the police really had well in hand. Yeah. And you look at it, and it's like, oh, he's afraid. I mean, he doesn't know what these tests are going to show. And and I thought that was really, really interesting. And you see in his confrontation with Eradicator, for example, yeah. there's an anger that you know is, is coming out, and and so I felt like, to there was a point in the story where it tipped over, and then I felt the character, and I guess we can chalk this up to whatever manipulation Brainiac might have been engaged right. in. I don't know, but I felt like Superman's behavior got more unhinged.
1: I w- that's the word I was literally going to use. I I actually enjoyed a little bit seeing him humanly unhinged. Like he does, I made a note that he almost kills Maggie Sawyer and the entire SMCU of like, and then like f- m- the fact that makes a whoa, like says, whoa, like it's not me. It's, it's chill. Don't kill her. Like, it, but it is very interesting to watch him kind of lose his mind a little bit because you don't always get to see that and realize that who's going to stop him if he does? Like who can stop Superman if he goes nuts? That was kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, for sure. So like that aspect of it, I thought was, uh, was cool. I thought the further we got and the more unhinged he became, it was losing me a little bit. I-, I guess when it gets to the point where it feels like, okay, there has to be some sort of manipulation here. Yeah. Then I find it less interesting. But the earlier chapters where it feels like, oh, okay, this could be a genuine emotional response that he's having. Yeah. I, I found that, I-, I definitely found that to be, uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, I it was interesting too cuz I forgot. I mean, you kind of know, like you remember a little bit as I'm reading it. I was trying to figure out like when 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 do we see the reveal starting? And do you remember the scene with the guardian? Yeah, cuz that's that's when we actually cuz guardian is not actually guardian. Oh,
0: right. Yes, 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 yes.
1: And he makes he says <laughs> this line to Lois It's like, "Well, you're a comely thing for a f- human female." And I'm like, What's going on? Oh, and like and then you start to see that he's really around. But it's just an odd it was an odd creepy line at Lois and I'm like, oh, that's human female. that's not that's not guardian.
0: Absolutely. And and the, the penultimate issue of this, uh, we really see Superman put through the mental ringer where Brainiac is making him see basically his entire cast of, of allies yeah. and adversaries. and yep. you know he has to fight his way back to reality and the truth and, and everything. I I, like I said, I like the tour of the DCU aspect. I, Mm -hmm. I know Superman's not meant to be the greatest detective, but it's like, he just bounces from suspect to suspect with such conviction. (laughs) Like every issue he's like, it's dark side. He shows up on apocalypse and dark sides. Like, it's not me. And he's like, it's brainiac.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He gets, and he gets pissed (laughs) off and like the same kind of pissed off. He's like, Oh, then it's not you. It must be this. And then he goes bananas and and gets mad at that. What did you think about the when there were two Superman and how Lois, Lois basically? I had to read it like three or four times to kind of go like, wait, what? How did she test him? It was yeah, interesting.
0: So it, it is interesting. So you know, and and I guess none of this is even happening, right? Because the the corpse is the thought construct, right. but. But in any event, that's what people are seeing. And and what was interesting at first, because the, the corpse has the short hair. So initially we can distinguish them. But yes. then the, the that that figure uh, morphs into the the present version of Superman with the long hair. So we, the reader, and the other characters, they're looking at two identical-looking Supermen.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: And Lois says, she's like, okay, if the world was ending and you could only save one person, or, or if you had to choose or something mm-hmm. like that, like, who would it be? And one of them says, well, I would save you. And the other one says, well, I, you know, I... Basically, I wouldn't let that happen. And that's how she knows that's the real Clark. Yeah. But then there is a there is a really nice moment between Lois and Clark at the end where he says to her, he's like, you know, if it ever really were a choice like that. And she's like, I know. I like that. I thought that was a nice little yeah. button
1: on the whole thing. I agree. Yeah.
0: Again, it's um
1: I, I kind of feel like Dead Again was if if the pre-crisis Superman issues had a story arc.
0: This is oh, what it' would look like.
1: this is this is what it would look like like pre-crisis there weren't it was there they were all one and dones but it had the vibe of a late bronze era pre-crisis what if we had an 11 12 part story
0: I like that I think that's a good way to look at it for sure yeah now in the in the background of some of the issues here we have one of our only subplots. And I, I want to shout out Louise Simonson in Man of Steel because mm-hmm. I feel like she's the only one in this era who's concerned with a subplot. This really kind of bugged me. And I yeah. we touched on this last time because it was I was starting to feel this was an issue in the last batch of reading, but especially here. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to the earlier run of the Triangle era, that to me was one of the main highlights was the fact that you had this yeah. soap opera esque ongoing yeah. storyline. And yes, there was the plot of Superman fighting whoever he had to fight each week, yeah. but you were also following these other characters. You follow Jimmy and his plight with homelessness and, yes. and, and Bibbo with his lottery winnings and and all well, that.
1: And even earlier though, Anthony too, like, think back to like Jerry white, like this is pre triangle. Wow. We had the gangbuster stuff wasn't the title issue. It like, it was all underlying parallel storylines, very soap opera esque. And I will totally agree with you. Like I'm guessing you're talking about the stuff with Keith and the whites. Yep. It's an incredible subplot. It,
0: it is. And it really only gets real estate in those man of steel issues. And yes. this really bugged me. I feel like, in this era of the, of the triangle period, I really feel like there's some soul that has just been, been, yeah. been lost um, some, some depth, some texture, some nuance. That's just not there with the exception of this story. Um, yeah. And for anyone who doesn't remember, so Keith, you know, we met this, we met this boy, young African-American boy who was living at this orphanage under the care of a woman named Myra, who's killed um, during the the fall right. of Metropolis storyline. Um, and then the place he's staying gets destroyed, and and in these issues that we're reading here, um, Alice. This actually started in the prior batch of, of issues, right. but Alice, you know, continues to forge a relationship with Keith, and it gets to the point where she says to Perry, "I want to adopt him." And hand in hand with all of this, uh, Keith's mother, the mother that he's been waiting for, the mother who dropped him off at the orphanage and said, "I'll be back," and never came back, and he's been holding out this hope. She finally shows up in her final days. She's dying from AIDS. And uh, I got to tell you, man, the issue where she passes away um, in the hospital, I teared up. I really teared up reading that. It really it really hit me like a ton of bricks.
1: And we hadn't seen anything emotional like that. Really? like, Like we hadn't seen any real social commentary happening in the Superman issues, probably through most of the Triangle era, to be honest. I don't I think we had subplots but this was now hitting on something real that could really like, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just um, mixed race parenting or white family adopting a black boy. This was now looking at the world of AIDS, the world of addiction, the world of truth where thank, thankfully she had the smarts to like leave her son to try to make him safe. It was, it was interesting. And, and you know, man of steel, as much as I don't love the artwork, I've actually always enjoyed the the writing. I mean, Louise Simonson is incredible. I mean, her and Walt are just really awesome people. Um, But Louise, like, Man of Steel always has a supernatural tinge, too. There's a very interesting, like, light horror kind of vibe. But then she, she would weave, like you're saying, these really cool subplots in. And even the Babe
0: and Locke stuff
1: is really cool.
0: All right. That's where you and I diverge.
1: <laughs> oh, I do like it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that vampire business. Those issues were tough for me to get through. The love bites two-parter. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I did read them. I was, I was this close. It was going to be a skim. It was this close to being You're just so a skim. Funny. And then I was like, all right, I'll, I'll read it. But, but no, that's, but it's, it's fine. You look even there, I think there, you know, there was still some interesting material, but those were yeah. not my favorite issues. But, <laughs> but, but, but the Keith storyline I, I thought was so strong and you know it was certainly emotional seeing him lose his mother in that way and you talk about social commentary you know one of the things when keith is with his mom in the hospital i guess he goes to hug her or something and she says like oh you're not scared and he's like no like they told us in school you can't get aids from you know from hugging someone so you know i think back to like this was a a different time you know this was the early to mid 90s you know so it was interesting to see that piece of it but um you know what even got me more emotional weirdly was the whites talking about adopting him and not even the racial component but their age. Mm-hmm. Where Perry's like but you know we we we're we're old. Yeah. yeah. And and are really
1: grandparents. Yeah. Or grandparents to Keith, yeah.
0: And and Alice is like, you know, she's like well statistically like we'll probably live until he, at least until he starts college and he's like we can get him, you know, we can get him started in life. Like we can get him a good start. Yeah. Get him off to a good start. And yeah, I don't know. Something about that—it it was just—I thought it was so powerful. And and I guess another angle you don't see a lot of, right? The older, mm-hmm. you know, the older couple, you know, doing something like this. Um, and knowing what we know about their backstory, like you said, you mentioned Jerry. thing f- we, you know, we spent a lot of time with the Whites and Jerry White, and it, you know, yeah. it was that was raw. I mean, they lost their son, and so to have this moment. Of, of, of redemption and, and you yeah. know salvation for them having lost their son and for Keith having lost his mother it was really a beautiful story.
1: I um you're going through this and I need to try to make sure I keep going if I can and keep reading because I actually can't remember how things end with Alice. I can't remember when we lose Alice where what happens to Keith I, I need to remember those things. I'm kind of very curious because I don't remember.
0: Wait, do we lose Alice?
1: I, I feel like we do at some point. Dude. I don't. I don't. I don't remember ever seeing Alice much later.
0: <clears throat> well, I think I could, folks. I could be wrong. Let reach out to me. And let me know. But I think, and this is a frustration that I have at least with the Keith of it all. I think he mm-hmm. just like disappears at a certain point. I mean,
1: and see that's what I want to find out because I can't remember. So well, you're gonna find out pretty easily.
0: I mean, one of the things that I I do know, and I, I you know I have read these fairly recently. You know, once we get into the lo my beloved Loeb Kelly era of right. the Superman books. You know, we're still in the Triangle era, but it's, you know, now the old guard is all gone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these supporting players, bibo Ron Troop, Lucy, Keith, like they they just kind of go away. Yeah. So I think they just sort of phased out, Indeed. not even phased out. They just, just dropped more Literally, or less.
1: Yeah, go away. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, the, the Keith stuff was really interesting. And, uh, you know, I mentioned before the scene where he's with his friends uh, from school at the at the video game store. Oh, yeah. And what we and Keith realize quickly is that these white friends of, of his, not friends, but classmates who are pretending to be his friend, right? They bring him to the store because they know that the security guard will watch Keith because he's the black kid. It's terrible. And they yeah. use him as a diversion. So while the security guard is hassling Keith, they steal some video games. And it's an important, you know, moment of realization for Keith. And he's having this conversation with Perry about like what our true friend actually is. Right. And again, like you said about social commentary, I mean, I thought that like, I really, I gave Louise Simonson kudos really for, for delving into this territory, at least offering something that was, you know, had some weight to
1: it. And it's not, it's not just social commentary. It's almost parenting. If kids are reading this issue. Yeah. Like, Hey, Look out. Like Who's really your friends? Why are they your friends? Are they good for you? Are they safe for you, no matter what the situation? Will they always be there for you? So I love that Like we as adults can go, oh, this is a really great story. But if you're a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, you're like, oh, I should probably learn something about this. It's kind of the more you know NBC (laughs) approach to comic book retelling.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it was, uh, it was, it was a bright spot in all of this. And I yeah. wish that we had seen more of it. Um, I really yeah. feel like this was the, the 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 art of the subplot, I feel like was really kind of lost or jettisoned, yeah. not even law, but I feel like it was kind of abandoned in this, in yeah. this. Era. I mean, and I, I'm, I know there are other exceptions and there are, I mean, we'll get into like the shadow dragon business, which, you know, is is, you know, is running underneath some of the stories, but but again, that's still in the realm of superheroics. I guess I'm talking more about yes. the the human people. supporting cast, the people of Metropolis. That was such a right. big part of my enjoyment of the earlier stories. You really felt like Metropolis was this lived in world and you knew its people. And well, I feel like we'll we're get losing to
1: that. And, yeah, we'll get to it at the end, but like how Perry is ultimately the heart of Metropolis. Yes. Like, and that's one of the, my, fa- there's a lot of little one, one and dones that like, ah, oh, that's just great. Like, when we, we'll talk about that one soon. But Perry and these supporting players, Metropolis isn't what we know of without those people.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else about Dead Again that, that stood out to you that we didn't talk about?
1: No, it's dead to me.
0: <laughs> it's just dead to you?
1: <laughs> it's dead to me.
0: <laughs> you know, we, we definitely sense a theme here. I wonder how much of this came from the writers or the editors or marketing slash higher-ups at DC because you're dead again, the death of Clark Kent. I'm actually shocked that the fall of Metropolis wasn't called the death of Metropolis. It really (laughs) feels like we were lean. And you know, I get it. Death of Superman was very popular. That's putting it mildly. So
1: yeah, it was like a bleeding, a bleeding daily planet globe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when we look at all these now single issues, it's kind of interesting I feel now in current comics, we do story arc and then there's closure and we start another story arc. Um, I don't I kind of miss the little single issues in between. We still get them sometimes in the current current universe. Um, but if you look at it, there was 13 issues before we even get to the prelude of Death of Clark Kent. So, there was a lot of cool little storytelling happening. Some, like you said, you didn't love the, what the vampire stuff wasn't your cup of tea. But what I did love was the Christmas issue. Yes. That one is one of my favorite ones. And I'm not always, sometimes I would enjoy the, the holiday ones, you know, and they've got great covers usually. But um, this one was just kind of a fun divergent to use as a Christmas episode.
0: That was a fun one. That one definitely stood out to me, too, where a hundred criminals yeah. pull heists on Christmas Eve, knowing that <laughs> it, it'll, it'll be too overwhelming for Superman and the SCU. Of course, they're still able to, yeah. to to save the night. But yeah, that was a fun one. And I thought that was a, it was a, a clever premise. And uh, yeah, I like that one a lot as well.
1: And it's funny. It doesn't. Um, there are so many Christmas issues that are they have a cover that, you know, it's the holiday issue. But this one doesn't. It kind of fools you. And then you're like, oh, we're doing this now. And it was cool. And it was I wrote cheesy, but fun was my was my note on this one. But I had a ton of cameos too inside inside that issue. So it's it's actually worth the read. If you got the DC app, find it. It's fun.
0: Yeah, that is that was a good one. That was uh, Adventures 520. Uh, I like that one a lot. I like the Supergirl spotlight issue of Action Comics. Not a ton going on in that one, but she's visiting the Kents in Smallville and then uh, there's these shenanigans at this fair uh, where this inventor feels like his designs were stolen, and he sabotages this the uh, d- yes. display of of new farming equipment. And uh, Supergirl has to save everyone. But you know, not not to not to jump from Supergirl, but what I really loved about that issue was uh, Perry sends Clark to Smallville, right? To cover, and Clark's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll fly there. I'll get you know yeah. to Lois. He's like, "I'll get there in a few minutes." And then Perry's like, oh, I'm coming too. Like, it's been a long time since I've been out in the field. And Clark is like, oh, man, this is going to be such a long flight. (laughs) And when they first get on the plane, you know, Perry starts to tell him a story. And you could tell Clark is like, oh, man, like, I'm going to have to listen to him this whole flight. And then there's this turn. And Clark is just so captivated by the stories. Yes.
1: Yes. Did you ever read Astro City?
0: No, I never did.
1: Okay. So... One of my favorite things about that Samaritan is the superhero, is the Superman esque character in Astro City. The difference is, in issue one, it's first of all beautifully dra- like written and drawn, but Samaritan gets everywhere so fast. Like he is like bam, 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 bam. He can he can get to where he needs to so quick. And when he dreams, he dreams of just flying and just finding peace and being able to just fly and not have to go somewhere quickly to save somebody. And I, and I went right to this when I'm like, Oh, Clark's got to sit on a plane for two hours. Like he could usually just go, bam, I'm back in Smallville if I need to. And now I love that. Like you could see the, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like I, I haven't been, well, funny thing is when was the last time Clark was probably on a plane?
0: I know that's <laughs> I know it is one of those small, you know, slice of life things, but you think about it and it's like, oh yeah, like that probably would be pretty torturous for him. speaking of Smallville and and Mom, I did mean to, this was one thing I meant to say with Dead Again. I I did really like, there was a scene where Jonathan, and we cut to Jonathan and Martha on the farm talking about this corpse. Yeah. And Martha's real quick to be like, no, like I'm sure it's fine. And, And she sort of, you know, dismisses it. And, you know, we see her thought bubble where she's like, the last time we lost Clark, Jonathan had a heart attack and I almost lost him too. So, you know, you see really what she's, and the Kents, when we check in with them in these stories, uh, you know, Martha's been a little more, she had a little bit of a makeover, she's a little bit more stylish. Uh, You know, they're on these diets because especially, you know, for Jonathan's heart. So like they're, they're doing their thing. I, I enjoy that aspect (laughs) of it too. Uh, But yeah, the the Supergirl issue I thought was, was cool. We're still not at the point of her getting her own series. We're still, you know, uh, a year or two out from that. Did you read that series? I'm sure I've asked you this before. Is that the Peter, the Peter David, David stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I read the first six or seven issues and just, I just lost, I guess I just lost interest because of time. I yeah. wasn't super into it. I dug, I dug the art actually. And I really liked the new look for her because she had this kind of like skater punk thing going on for a little while there too, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I didn't, I, I probably should. I feel like that might be in trade also now, but I'm not sure.
0: Uh, I think in classic DC form, I think they started collecting it. I don't know that that line ever finished. They are all on the app though for, for yeah, at least there's cool. that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a tough place for the character of Supergirl. Cause now she's, she knows, you know, that Lex was just using her. Right. And yeah, that whole, the whole Lex, the whole Lex Supergirl business uh, is, is just so messed up on so many levels.
1: It's just like skeevy. Like it really makes you feel icky. <laughs> Like, again, talk about commentary. Like, that's another, like, the domineering man using his power really inappropriately.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's that. And of course, that he's pretending to be someone else. She's, yeah. you know, if you get, I was thinking about this as I was reading it, the the age here, because she, you know, <laughs> she's a few years old. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> she's yeah. this artificial life form, right? So it's sort of questionable in terms of level of, development maturity
1: maturity yeah
0: even if he were lex luther ii there's still that debate but he's not nope so yeah there's there's a lot there that's that's really pretty gross uh so yeah. you know it's good to see her getting on a better path and, and on her way to her series but uh, still yeah. not there quite yet
1: um any other individual issues that really stuck out to me i'm trying to like think um oh well the one we, the one we brought up earlier is the rebuilding of Metropolis, like the official rebuilding. I, What did you think? I really enjoyed that issue specifically.
0: I love that it was from Perry's perspective, and yes. I love the role that he played. So, mm-hmm. of course, like we said, Metropolis is destroyed, just demolished before Zero Hour. In the opening pages of the first Zero Month issue, Superman's flying through the skies. So you see that Metropolis is is pristine. So yes. the reader is in the dark for a while. For a while? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How did this happen? I think... I'm assuming readers at the time, and probably myself at the time, chalked it up to zero hour.
1: Yeah. I think that's I'd probably like the up. likeliest. Like a reset. Like, oh, it fixed it. Um, did When you read it on the app, do you see the covers? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you catch the flub on this
0: one? Oh, no.
1: Okay. So it's really interesting. On the cover, it's Bloodwind. <laughs> In the issue, it's Martian Manhunter.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: It's like when you look at everybody standing on the roof, I'm like, oh, cool. Bloodwind's in this one. No, nope. <laughs> no, it's really Martian Manhunter. So I just it just caught me as odd as a weird flub that they did.
0: You know, I never read all of that business with the re- the reveal that Bloodwind was Martian Manhunter. I never that's read all that That's a
1: great run again. Um, I think you can read it. I think they did it in the Superman and the Justice League of America and then the Wonder Woman and the Justice League of America trades that they released okay. and they're on the app. But it's like Justice League of America 70 to like 82. I hate that I know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if you're listening, that's when they do the Bloodwind arc and then they reveal that it's he's been Martian Manhunter the whole time because we haven't seen him forever. Right, right, right. But I, I again that's another cameo issue. Um, what was the issue number on this one? Was it another was it also
0: adventures? Yeah, this was adventures. This was 522.
1: Okay. I mean, it's parawhite white narration. It's like ton. I like this Zatanna. and even the what's I forget his name. It's Satanus. Oh,
0: yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, but Colin, I forget Thor- like Thor- his Colin thank Thornton. You. Yeah.
1: Yes, and that's another character that is also like a sub plot going through this and we see you know eventually kismet and all that kind of stuff happening too i i I dig personally it's not nostalgic i like those characters it's a little bit different to me
0: yeah yeah no i again i liked so ultimately the city is rebuilt through magic zatanna uh is able to cast a spell but she needs the power of the other heroes she needs Uh, Superman's mind thinking of the city and then Perry White's the heart and soul of the city, right? Really getting the flavor of of the city back. And through that combination, she's able to magically restore the city. Of course, Perry holds back the globe, right? Because he wants the original one that Superman rebuilt at the end of the fall of Metropolis, which is a a great touch. And you mentioned Satanus, right? So what we find out is that Satanus was the one who sort of like planted the bug in the mind of Satana to, to show up and help. This is not... This is not a fair knock on the story, but all I could think <laughs> of was, man, this sure would have been nice after the Gotham earthquake during No Man's Land.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but nobody cares about Gotham. It's already kind of a crap hole.
0: <laughs> I, I, you know, I brought up No Man's Land in the last episode. I won't, I won't rehash the whole thing. But basically, with the battle and fall of Metropolis, so much of the real estate—no pun intended—was yeah. about the destruction. And what yes. bugs me about that was, it's like, oh man. Especially having read No Man's Land, yeah. I say to myself, "Oh, the interesting part is what happens after, and we yeah. just skip right over that." And I felt like that was a missed opportunity. But yeah, I thought of No Man's Land again here. It's like, well, where where were you? Where were you? But a few that's years later. Yeah,
1: that's classic. <laughs> that's classic Superman versus Batman world, though. If you think about it, yeah, it's this bright Superman, happy like Superman saves the day. Yeah, Metropolis is going to be fine. Poof gotham is like always beat up there's always like what's it called um suicide slum no that's that's metropolis yeah what's the isn't there another area in gotham that's also crime alley maybe um but again it's just people expect it to be a mess so then when there's an earthquake they're like oh that's about right (laughs) they don't really (laughs) they don't really say anything even the government goes well It is true. That's a that's a great storyline actually. I love it.
0: It's one of my favorites. And in fairness, in there were a couple of issues of JLA and then there there mm. were issues in No Man's Land itself that did yeah. address why you didn't have this intervention from the rest of the superhero community. So they they did address that. Uh, yeah, but I just couldn't right. help but think of that when I was reading. But I'm I'm glad they gave us an explanation. I'm glad. That's yeah. the thing. I think this was the standout for me in reading these issues was was Perry between adopting Keith Yes. And helping to bring back the city. You know, he got some... I always love when Perry gets something to do.
1: Yeah. So. Well, and then we see it in in, in Death of Clark Kent, too, with his poor car. I know. <laughs> this beautiful collector car. <laughs> I know.
0: Now, among these these one-offs, we also have to talk about the Toy Man issue.
1: Oh, yeah. When he, like, loses it over the action figures.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Which, we, we talked about this in the last episode, the, the death of Adam Grant. So, we covered that issue. How, I mean... Yeah. How well do you remember that issue?
1: Oh, it still it still irks me. Like, that was, it's part of the reason why I'm a little confused by even this issue. That Toy Man well, was always the kind of lighthearted, weird, whimsical, I don't know, like, I equate him, he's like a C, C-list villain almost. But he kind of then just, it gets dark really fast and he's kidnapping kids and then, he, and then he and then he kills cat's son ultimately and I I will never forget that issue where superman's holding adam's corpse and crying on the front cover like that's like what just happened like that was a dark turn for not just that character but for I think dc superman continuity in general and now we come back to it I I don't think they hit, hit it hard enough in this issue like it's it is it i think it's a year later right
0: And yeah in publishing time yeah
1: yeah so yeah i mean the notes i have there yeah it's just not much um cat grant just can't believe that he went nuts all over the fact that his toys didn't sell um that was that was like she almost wished it was something else. Like, like he It's something, there was another reason, but that's, that's the reason why he went off the deep end.
0: Yeah. I, I remain mixed on all of this. And I, again, we, we talked about it a lot last time. Yeah. Um, I don't want
1: to rehash, but
0: I, yeah, but I guess, I mean, specifically in the context of this issue, I don't know. How do I put this? I appreciate the attempt to account for the switch. Mm-hmm. Right. Ooh. We talked about this last time years later, Jeff Johns, which just retcon the whole thing and reveal that these were all just creations of the original Toyman that that went awry, which I'm not a huge fan of that fix. But no. that's whatever. Uh, so I appreciate the effort here to account for how how and why Toyman changed,
1: yeah.
0: I guess. I mean, I don't know. Part of me is like, well, would any explanation really suffice or or make the Adam issue any more palatable? no. But I don't know, it's like, I guess as a motivation, again, the fact that what makes him snap is that this toy manufacturer comes to him and he's like, hey, we make these Superman action figures, Superman lets us do it, we have to donate the money to charity, but it's good publicity, we want to make a Toy Man figure. And Toy Man's like, oh, great. Um, And he wants to get one of the figures, they never send it to him. Eventually, he's on this work release program at a department store, which is like, that's probably not a good idea, but okay. You know, to your point, he was more innocuous- previously yes. but but as Superman points out as he's sort of recapping toyman's history like Toy man was a killer yeah so in any event uh, so he's at this department store and he sees the line of action figures our our beloved line of uh, of Kenner figures yeah <laughs> though they never made a toy man so there you go um, and but he sees in the store all of his all of his toyman figures are on clearance they're all marked down and that sets him off and he goes to the toy manufacturer's house now he's starting to hear the voice of mother in his head. Um, and the the toy guys like those kids didn't want your figures. Blame the kids. Yeah. And so he does. So and that sets him off. I so I I don't know. I don't I don't know how how well that works as to to account for the switch. It, I don't know. I mean, I would be curious what other people think to that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't I'm know. sort it of mixed like a, on that.
1: It's a big jump for me. Like yes, Toy Man was a killer, and we get that, but not in that way. It seemed like he loved the the game of it all and he was still a murderer and a killer but then it got just that's just it went very dark very quickly over something that seemed very trivial but i guess when you're crazy the trivial could set you off i don't know i don't i guess i just don't love it like you do like or like you're like you're saying you don't love how that right. sh- uh, switch happened i don't think it was it didn't compute well with me
0: yeah It's also I feel like I guess maybe I'll walk back my Jeff John's criticism a little bit because I do sort of feel like where do you go with Toy Man from here?
1: Right. I I kind of wish they left it alone. I think this issue cheapens the the Adam Grant stuff. To me, I think it's like, oh, that's that's really like and you can see cats kind of just. I'm like like really, that's it. I'm just unbelievable. So I don't know. It it was it was not the kind of closure I felt we should have had on that. But
0: yeah, I I don't disagree. I you know I would also be curious to know if this is something that Jurgens had planned from the beginning, you know from from the the death of Adam oh, issue or because right. you know so much time passed. I wonder if this was something that based on feedback, you know, if there was a sense of like, hey, maybe we should account for. Why? how or why this happened or if this was always part of the plan. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Th- that storyline like that still remains a very, very tough pill to swallow.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, in these other issues, we we do also have a, there's a two parter with Mr. Miracle.
1: That's fun. Yep. That was a fun one.
0: Uh, yeah, that was fun. I don't, I don't know that so much stood out about that, but you know, I guess it was cool to see those characters teaming up against death trap,
1: which also goes nowhere. Like it's just, it's a very um, trivial, trivial, Villain. Like a lot of what I'm noticing in the 90s too, they were like like you we were saying, it was these um villains that were just they almost seem like they're sitting around the table, like, okay, we need a new villain. What do you, who has a name for a new villain? Okay, great, let's make a story out of it. Um, but yeah, I, it's nothing's really standing out much from me. Um, the only thing I wrote from that was it's kind of nice, like I like this type of book because it feels like it should be an animated series episode, like the Mister Miracle stuff felt very Superman animated, Justice League animated vibe, the way it paced. Um, But I also like the like we. It's one of those scenes where we see Superman shaving. Yes. And we see and we see the he's using the mirror to shave. I'm like, I always love that. That's always fun to me to see that kind of stuff. I feel like a kid. I'm like, ooh, that's so cool. Like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the other thing. In fairness, I do – I guess I do give them credit for trying to be additive to the rogues gallery and the mythology. Because, like, in in the last episode, there there were a trio of stories. There was the Bizarro's World um, Mm -hmm. arc, which – I don't know if I even said this last time, but it's crazy to think that we had Bizarro in one of the issues of Man of Steel by Byrne. Yeah. And then See. he's off the board yeah. until the nineties. because well, when you think of him, it's like, oh bizarre, that's one of the stalwarts of the of the Superman rogues yeah. gallery, but it was used very sparingly. You know, Toy Man was the other one, and that was a radical reinvention of the character. Um Parasite was one of the other ones. But you know, as far as the classic villains, you know, they're not being brought in all the time. You are seeing a lot of new ones, and yeah, I mean, most of them are not going to stick around like massacre and, and even conduit and, you know, but I I give them credit for trying and whether it was born out of, we need the next doomsday, we need to sell some action figures or, Hey, we want to try something different regardless of why, you know, I I can appreciate the effort, but yeah, it's, you know, when it doesn't totally land, yeah, it doesn't make the stories harder to connect to. And then when you don't have those subplots, yes, you really lose something.
1: I would almost rather like death trap kind of like the shadow dragon stuff be like an underlying sub like like where is he going who is this like the, a, a sense of mystery i would rather have that not just be like a two and done but like okay let's build this guy's backstory and like even if it's very soap opera s like you said it's little snippets and then all of a sudden he gets a story arc and then it makes more sense but not Oh, well, we got a, we had a two-parter. You're done.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's sort of being now seated in these stories is, um, well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but conduit has escaped. There was actually a prior escape that we didn't even right. talk about where he, where he popped up again during dead again and they faced off and then was once again in prison. Yeah. Uh, remind me, I want to have a, I want to circle back to that when we get into the death of Clark Kent, but, <laughs> okay. uh, and and now uh conduit is out no one knows yet um they've they've been keeping it quiet and uh clark and others and even the city of metropolis have been getting these messages i know so we've got this this building here of someone knows something and of course this is this is conduit knows the secret and that's going to lead to the death of clark kent storyline but that's one of the things that's sort of being uh threaded in there and we also have the shadow dragon business What, what was your take on this character
1: I would have liked more of the character as a a subplot. I think I remember, I probably have it here. He got his own year one annual. Oh. And that was even, I, I remember, I have it. I remember reading it, but I can't remember. Because the year one's usually told the, at least the origin or a little more backstory. I don't remember though, how much Shadow Dragon really continues past this era. Or even this storyline. And what was his name? Savitar? It was he he was a prince, right? Yeah, Prince Bandu or
0: something like that. Yeah,
1: Savitar Bandu or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I kind of liked it. I would have liked to learn more about their purpose there and what's what's next and and how was he connected to the Superman files and all that kind of stuff too?
0: Yeah, I think there was <laughs> there was some potential there. So he he seems to be engaging in this corporate espionage. He's stealing uh, secrets from star labs, right. And then, or other companies, and then, you know, basically giving it to his country to get a leg up in the technological industrial field. So there's that. And, and he, you know, runs it or bumps up against Superman. And so he steals the star lab Superman files and gives them to conduit. And between that and what, what else, you know, conduit has amassed on his own is able to piece together. This all happens off panel. We don't see this, But he's able to figure out that clark is superman which what man talk about missed opportunities how do you not show us the moment where he makes that connection
1: and like you don't see the reaction (laughs) like it it just all of a sudden the eye knows like we have there's a dagger in the in the doll that's how we figure it out yeah i I didn't like that i that's funny you brought that up because like, why do we leave that off book
0: so the only thing I could think of is that they were trying to build up the mystery of who's leaving Clark these messages, but it's like who the hell else could it be? It
1: was. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> like, it hasn't been three years. It was like six issues ago.
0: <laughs> However, I will say with with uh, Shadow Dragon, I do like his his code and his ultimate turn because in the end he does help Superman during the death of Clark Kent storyline. Like he doesn't yes. go too far. He helps. To the point where he feels his debt is paid, right? Because he didn't realize what conduit was going to do with with this information.
1: Well, and what I really liked, which I wish they would have kind of, and maybe again in the year one, maybe they taught more about it. He is, we don't know much about his powers, but he's fat. Like Superman goes after him and he dodges. And even like Superman's like, whoa, like how did I missed him? And that to me stood out like, I want to know more about how, who is this guy that can dodge Superman with the, with the move?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one, and these one offs, there's also an issue uh, of action where Superman goes up against uh, guy Gardner. Right. And cause Guy Gardner, this is the the point in his journey where he's Warrior. the Voldarian Oof. DNA yes. and uh, that alien side of him is taking over because there's this threat coming. Not necessarily a standout issue, but there there was something in this that we see a few other instances that I liked uh, that I guess you don't really f- see as much now where like when Superman is in DC for one of the issues, he's like, oh, I'm going to go pop in and see John Henry. And then you get the little editor's note, like check out steel number 14. Yes. Here, you know, Superman brings Guy Gardner to star labs or wherever. And it's like for more about Guy Gardner, see Guy Gardner warrior number 30. I like, there were a few things like that where it's like, oh, it really feels like we're in the DC universe and that there was some coordination and you know, you could follow if you wanted to, like I didn't, (laughs) but I didn't feel like I was missing anything either. It was just nice to know that that was an option.
1: Well, and there was a care like, Hey, if you want to learn more about this, and it's really actually good for selling books, it's like, hey, like, go check out this other book. If you like what's happening here, go read this. I, I wanted to mention this earlier too. Something about reading the individual issues was the the Metropolis Mailbag. So at the end of every issue, the letters that people would write in, and like, and then they had the little boxes that said next week in Adventures, in two weeks in Action, in three weeks. I was like. Oh, this is cool! Like I, I, I definitely felt like I was back at that age again. Reading it was just fun. It was like, ooh, I'm looking forward to books coming out. Just fun.
0: I know. Yeah, I know that the paper, the smell, the ads. It it really is a, yeah. its own experience. I I, I, yeah. I I can appreciate that totally. All right. So, so you want to death of the Clark Kent? Like we're let's there. Do it. All right. An hour and a half in, we've made it. To, I think we. This we're, is we're, basically what I figured we would. Do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I figure we got 30 minutes to do a. To do uh, um this story arc will be all right.
0: Well, overall impressions first. How did, how did this hold up for you? You know,
1: this held up well. I felt like let's see how many it's it's. Uh,
0: so we have the prologue, and then a seven part story, and then and then there's an epilogue. an
1: epilogue. Okay. Um, I feel okay. How can I say this? I feel like I was excited at the beginning again. I feel it drags for like five issues and then it wraps up like really quick in the last two. Um, not to say that I didn't like it, but the pacing felt off to me. So it, it just seemed like I found myself kind of not to be bad, but I found myself like skimming a little bit more like what's coming. What's coming soon. And then I was happier when I was reading like the last two
0: parts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. So this is where all of these, these messages, these threats come to a head. All of these issues where it's, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Finally, Clark comes home and he sees this puppet uh, in a Superman shirt and Clark Kent glasses with a knife through the heart on <laughs> yes. his door. And that's when he's, he's finally able to, to realize that someone knows, and not just someone, but Kenny knows that Clark Kent is Superman. Yes. Poor Jimmy tries to help.
1: Yes. And then he's and Clark just like stuffs Jimmy, like, nope, no, 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 no. And like, why don't you go ask out that girl in the elevator? It'd be fine. <laughs> and just says, I'll take care of it. Which is very interesting. Because poor Jimmy, like, just tell the poor dude for God's sake. You need like it'd be so much more helpful if Jimmy knew. Yeah.
0: Yes. I know. I know. I'm always bumping up against that. But yeah. uh, but this is where Kenny Braverman makes his moves. He targets oh, yeah. the Kents on their farm. He targets Lois. He targets Jimmy. And And Lana and Lana actually,
1: that's right. And because he confuses and he says, "I'm going after your woman," yeah. And he says, and he's really thinking Lana. And and Clark goes the wrong direction. And I, I I actually enjoyed that little turn. Yeah,
0: I I think that I, I think you're right about the pacing of this. It, it does start and end well, and it really loses steam in the middle. Because I think the beginning part, you do feel Clark's fear frustration and desperation that yes oh no this secret that i've been protecting that i thought i would protect forever and he even says at one point he's like people wouldn't even have a reason to think that superman has a secret identity right which is a, is an important point because i know it's always a lot of people not realize no one's looking for it that's the thing mm. it's not like people are like oh well, we know superman lives among us and they're always exactly looking. it's like you don't exactly. even think about it
1: people will probably have a better sense of thinking he goes somewhere like a Fortress of Solitude. And is always Superman. Yeah. Like if they knew he was, he's, he's hiding out, they'd be looking for him.
0: I always think about Henry Cavill when he like stood around in Times Square for oh. minutes or, or longer and with his, with the glasses on and like, no, and he's like That's, a huge movie star. <laughs> no ideas. Yeah. yeah no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so I think the beginning part of it where, you, where everything's falling apart, mm-hmm. right? Where, uh, you know. Oh, and even before that, in the prologue, his uh, Clark's uh, book editor is is targeted. There's a bomb. Oh yeah. And then yeah, there's yeah. the bomb in Perry's car as well. You mentioned before, yes. like where Clark, where Superman has to has to sacrifice the car, uh, but is able to save Perry and Keith. So yeah. you know, Kenny is going after the people in Clark's life. He sends this bottle of champagne that's actually a bomb to Lana and Pete. And like yep. you said, Clark is able to realize, oh, by woman I love, he means Lana and save them uh mom pa on the farm i mean the farm is destroyed but clark is able to get them out in time and then they go on the run lois is seemingly caught in an explosion with dan turpin who's protected by yes. the kryptonite battle suit
1: i uh, love that part so yeah much. that
0: was cool but lois seemingly <laughs> perishes i don't yeah they played fast and loose i felt with how she survived she like slid down a a beam or something it's like yeah oh, all right
1: okay <laughs> but i mean we all know that I mean, I've always wondered when are they going to get to the point where they off Lois for real? Like I, that's, yeah, i have always wonder we're getting we're getting close to that point or maybe she's untouchable. Maybe that is we're not going to we we can off Ma or Pa Kent, but I guess we can't really get rid of Lois or that because that then we go down the injustice road.
0: That's true, although. I feel like with any of any of these stories, I feel like it's only a matter of time, and right, it I d- wouldn't be permanent because nothing well, ever dies.
1: Right. And that's my question: is how will will anybody ever permanently die? That's that's the biggest thing I always wonder. Probably
0: not. Probably not.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> I would be really interested in actually like starting to see Lois age, and we're seeing it. We're seeing Clark age in the current books right now which there's a lot going on there coming up, which is cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That would be interesting to explore. I mean, I remember there was a whole episode in the final season of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman yes. where they had this conversation and there was the villain who could steal people's youth and everything. But it, the, the, the dramatic tension in that episode <laughs> was this fact that Lois is going to age and die and Clark will not.
1: Yeah. Well, and we kind of see it a little bit in infinite crisis where, you know, Clark, like, I forget, like, would that be earth? Earth 2. Earth 2, Clark. Yeah, Earth 2, and he has the gray. And that was ultimately the issue, that Lois was going to die unless he took her out of time, unless he saved her that way.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's, it's just cool. Um, But yeah, so Lois avoids death. Dan Turpin's in the suit. Metallo is the one that's back in the book, which I didn't love this version of Metallo. Did you enjoy that?
0: Not particularly. I'm not the biggest Metallo fan in the world. No. But- like, what was interesting to me, I had totally forgotten he was in this, but like, <laughs> I look at Kenny Braverman, and to me, Kenny, like, Conduit is the better version of Metallo because he has the I kryptonite, agree. but he also has the personal animosity there and the history. Right. So I feel like, so I don't know why we really need Metallo, but uh, no, but yeah, he popped up.
1: Yep. And then who else we had? Well, I don't know. I made a few notes about this. Like, Clark's a lumberjack. <laughs> like, there's the scene later. Like he's he's going by an alias now. Was it Wayne Jordan, or something like that? And I don't. Know, that's when I was like, okay, we this needs to move. This needs to this needs to go towards the end now.
0: Yeah, there there's some stuff did not come together here the way it needed to. Um, right. I think, just like Dead Again, it's a good hook. Mm-hmm. Someone knows the secret, and they're using this information and they're targeting people close to Clark, and he's afraid and he doesn't know what to do. And so I think that's a good jumping off point. And the beginning issues are pretty electric where he's, you know, racing back and forth and yeah. again, saving Ma and Pa but losing the farm, you know, seemingly watch, you know, seeing Lois get blown up. Uh, and, you know, he, earlier on, I think it's in Superman 100, he, he has this heart to heart with Lois on the roof. And he really, you know, Jerkins gives this, this like two page scene where, Superman articulates and encapsulates this whole version of the Clark-Superman dynamic where he explicitly says, like, I'm Clark first and Superman second. He's like, I don't get excited to fly to the moon, and I don't care about getting along well with the JLA. I care about winning a journalism award or writing the next great American novel because that's not something that I use my powers for. Right. Um, Which... You know, it was great like i enjoyed you know I, I, I that's the version of the character i i you know subscribe to so i i, I that was cool um but yeah i don't know it, it, it so from there we get into this extended interlude where he and mom and pa are on the run living under the, the this assumed uh these assumed identities and like yeah. you said he's working as a lumberjack
1: he thinks lo is a dead still
0: i don't you do get before he realizes that the kent's are alive because there is a period yes. where he thinks they're dead too like he's Correct. really lost it. he strips off his costume he burns oh, yeah. his naked screams screams yeah, yeah. that's what gets the kent's attention they're like we heard a scream <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, clark <laughs> um but you so there's at least that moment of grief and i understand the relief at seeing his parents alive but i do not like, it I, it, I honestly kind of forgot until they, they articulated it. It's like, oh, he thinks Lois is dead because he's not acting like it.
1: Well, and that's what threw me a lot, too. It's like, I, I would have thought he would be more torn up still and lost because Lois is dead, but he's seemingly going on and trying to just, I don't know, figure things out. But he's not, doesn't seem too messed up, which that that just confused me. Um. Okay, do you, In current Superman right now, Action Comics and Superman. So like when Bendis was doing stuff, those were two very different books and separate storylines. As I was reading this, I was wondering like, would Death of Clark Kent work better if it was only in the Superman books and the other issues were like subplot issues? Because I just wonder like, I just feel like it was stretched out too much and they didn't do a good job across all the writers making sure that everybody had a real understanding what where the where the role of the arc was going. That's what that's what I got a sense of.
0: I think that's valid, man. I, I can't you know I, I can't really dispute that. I, I think I'm trying to think when it really lost me. I think the I like that Clark and, and Jonathan and Martha had this adventure together. Right. But, yeah, the idea that Clark, quote unquote, gives up and even goes so far as to get a job. You know, yes, he's, it was you know, he's, he's a lumberjack and he's chopping down trees and he's, you know, he's like, oh, it would have been great if it landed by the road and he kicks it. He's like, oh, well, I made it land by the road. It's like you have oh. bigger problems right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Yeah. And that's it was this is going to sound terrible. It was dragging on like a CW show. <laughs> like, like this story could have been told in eight episodes, but now we have twenty two. We don't know what to do. Let's spread it out a little bit. That's that's how it came. But the last, I I loved part seven, like the fake Smallville. Um, like Kenny, Kenny's rebuilt all of Smallville in that like pipeline area. Um, oh yeah, so
0: we didn't mention this, but Kenny has created this pipeline network, a la the CIA. Yeah. So it's this massive network of operatives and and, and intelligence gatherers. And, and they, so he's not this solo operator. He has this network. And that's of course what amps up all the stakes because, you know, like when Lois, you know, Lois, even though she survives, like she stays underground, she stays quote unquote dead because she's walking through the streets of metropolis and the operatives are looking for her. So, um, so he, yeah, he has this whole network and all these resources and, uh, like you said, he he just creates this replica of Smallville, and this is where he and Clark have their final showdown. Shirts right. versus skins, apparently. Clark strips apparently. off his uh yep. <laughs> Superman, tears shirt. off,
1: tears it off, <laughs> hairy chest and all. And then we got a thousand Mr. Braverman clones cheering in the stands, which was also kind of kind of odd and scary at the same time.
0: Yeah, all right. I wanted to say this about Mr. Braverman, because I agree with you. I think this is a lesson in bad parenting. And and yeah. you see in all of these flashbacks and even in the present that, you know, the father was always putting Kenny down and oh, always yeah. berating him and undermining him for not beating Clark. Uh, so I think that aspect of the story is important. But it's like, this guy is way too into Clark. Yeah, right? Because he's always like, like he never in the past and present, he never misses an opportunity to be like, oh well, that Clark. At least the Clark is okay. Like yeah. Clark Kent, he's a never great boy. This. Clark's the what best.
1: Fine boy he is. It's like that's weird.
0: It's like <laughs> I don't know if like another dad were always talking about my kid like that all the time. He'd be like, hey, like, like worry about your own kid and like back off and go. It's yeah, and go
1: drive an go drive an ice cream truck in somebody else's neighborhood.
0: <laughs> it's we- It's so weird.
1: Yes, it's very weird. It's just it's like it, especially, I guess, in in the 90s tone, it's it comes off as just like, oh, like, that's not a, he's he's not being a cool dad. Now it comes off as that's creepy. like That's some real creepy. I think we've all watched enough Dateline NBC episodes to know that, that that's creepy as all get out.
0: And I don't know if this is an instance where, because again, we have four writers and four titles, and they're all yes. hitting the same beats or the same notes that yeah. it you know it sort of builds. But when you look at the cumulative, like it would be fun to do a, a quote unquote supercut of this <laughs> like yes. all the instances where Kenny Braverman's dad is talking about how great Clark is. It's just it gets <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a bit much at, at, at a minimum, but uh, yeah. yeah, it just has this weird weird vibe to it. It's like you're way too into Clark.
1: Well, and the, and the epilogue is good because we finally get Superman as Superman, like yelling at Kenny's dad when all is said and done. And I wrote the quote, he said, you get raised in a way that helps or hurts the person you become. And that was a good, like closing aha lesson moment for everybody. It's like, yeah, like what we said earlier in the episode tonight how you're raised can really either help or hurt you. Now do people uh, move above how they were raised? Of course, but it can also hurt you pretty bad. And it's, and, and you, and a, and a cycle becomes, becomes there.
0: Yeah, no, I liked, I like that Mr. Braverman got some comeuppance, you know, from, from Superman. Um, yeah. It still feels like more, more could have been done there. I was, was, I was alluding to this before and I'll bring it up here because, you know, in the final confrontation, uh, again, shirts versus skins, uh, Superman realizes that a lot of these, these robots uh, in the fake metropolis, that they're, they're not automatons, that they're plugged into a power supply underneath. And so he grabs a couple of the cables and like shoves them into Kenny and. Kenny just fries. He's like, he takes the power. He makes, you know, he, he seems like he can take it, but he yeah. can't. He overloads and he's like- Melts. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's like burnt to a crisp. Yes. And this is what bugged me throughout all of these conduit appearances because he's got kryptonite radiation emanating from him. These kryptonite yeah. blasts. And then, you know, it's a little unclear. You know, Superman mentions at one point that the cables are- part of him and they they he does feel pain when they're when they're broken right um again i know it's un, a little bit unclear exactly what the cia did to him we know he underwent some procedure but in any event he's got these cables he's got the gauntlets he's got the kryptonite blasts. he seems like he would be a pretty formidable opponent and that's clearly how he's built up here yet you think about superman beats him three times mm-hmm. and the first time he just like crushes the gauntlets if i'm not if yeah, I'm not and, misremembering.
1: And I'm remembering going, but if if he's got kryptonite, like why is Superman seemingly not that affected by it? Yeah. I mean, he's blasted like how, a few
0: times, but he kind of shakes it off relatively easily.
1: Right. So I guess that was something that I felt was I don't know whether that was intentional or just a really bad approach to writing, but I got very confused because conduits should have been somebody that could take Superman down. Yes, But we never really saw that. And again, I think he kind of went out like a punk. Like he, did, like he didn't really have a a slow death or a, a, like a, a sensical death. It was very, he got electrocuted and melted. That's what it came down to.
0: Yeah. Well, and speaking of melting, the second time Superman defeated him, there were lead sheets that he melted. Yeah. And that just kind of like gummed up the works in conduit suit. And that was it for him. And then this time again, Superman fries him. I mean, I know we talked about this in the context of Cyborg Superman, and this comes up from time to time. I mean, did he just kill Kenny? Yes.
1: (laughs) Wow. Like, and not even like South Park. Like, (laughs) like, oh, you killed Kenny.
0: (laughs) That's why I look, I I don't ever I don't always mean to bring this up, but it's like for people who like get so up in arms with Superman (laughs) killing, it's like he. I don't know if you look at the larger context there's a lot of really questionable instances that's all yeah. I'll say
1: well and he kills Kenny <laughs> even like did he not think what this might do like so I, I, that, I that's just so fun. I'm so with you because I think we find Superman unintentionally killing more people than we really realize he does
0: <sighs> yeah I think so You know, the other thing that I could not get, I couldn't get around in this was, I don't buy how quickly he accepted Lois's death. Yes. And unless he really thought that she had been literally atomized by this explosion, I do not believe that he would leave Metropolis without finding her remains.
1: and, And he just stopped looking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
0: That wasn't, and then, you know, this becomes a whole, and maybe this is like a really a product of, of its time. Uh, Cause I feel like with modern technology, like there's this whole extended bit where Lois is looking for him and she's seeing him on the news, but she can't, it's like, I don't know. I felt like yeah. that dragged on of her just trying to get back in contact to tell him she's alive,
1: you know? So listeners, what you can gather from our conversation tonight <laughs> is that we spent, a good amount of time reading 39 issues where really it seems like we've only enjoyed roughly six of them.
0: I know it's well, listen, cause I, I, I'm realizing this. I, I'm like, we've mostly just been bagging on this stuff. And cause it
1: really kind of sucks. It does like, and I hated saying that out loud, but I was like, I was excited. I was like, yes, death of Clark Kent. I'm happy to do this.
0: And now I am like, Oh, Oh man. I I think the audience appreciates our candor, honestly. Yep. And it's like, we took the, t- I mean, here's the thing. We're not, we're not just we're shooting saving, from the we're hip. We're saving them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, well, yeah. And it's like, we're not shooting from the hip. I mean, we spent a lot of time reading them and a lot <laughs> of time talking about them. And audience, thank you for taking the time to listen to us talk about them. And
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: as always, you know, I go in hoping to enjoy it. And a lot of fond memories from my youth. And th- that right. aspect of it is there. Like, I remember going to the shop and getting these issues. And, you know, that came back to me and that was nice. But I guess- Last year, reading the beginning part of the Triangle Era and the years leading up to it was a very mm-hmm. pleasant surprise of like, wow, they were really building out this world of yes. Superman comics. And there was some really good stuff there. It was a pleasant surprise. Coming into this, you know, the 90s in general, And 90s Superman doesn't get the best, you know, the, it doesn't have the best record or the, you know, the best reputation. And so I was going in kind of knowing that there's this baggage attached to it and this perception of it. But it's like, okay, right. maybe it'll be better than I'm thinking. Right. and you know look to be clear they're readable and they're entertaining yes. enough it's not like oh man i was it was like such a slog to get through you know they moved
1: no and that's what i was trying to say earlier too like they're it, it it reminded me of other times certain issues brought me back to certain eras um cameos were fun but again i don't it's nothing that stands out as very cohesive it doesn't it doesn't grab you. It's not consistently moving in an arc that you see like ups and downs. There's actually more, like, as we're talking, you shouldn't have more questions than answers. <laughs> and that's, that's to me, this telling of a, a an arc that we probably don't like very much when you're like, but what about, but what about, but what about, like, that's not great.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So sorry, everybody. <laughs>
0: No, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I, 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 mean, look, I won't lie. I'm, I'm disappointed. I wanted yeah. to enjoy these more. Um, same with the batch that we read for last time. And I don't, you know, I <laughs> still have two mm-hmm. more, we have more episodes coming, but two episodes that are specifically comic centric, two more big reading assignments. And yes, I, you know, I, I think we're sort of going to be in this territory and that, and that's okay. There, you know, there's still value to be had, but yeah, it, it I think I think you're right. There is that lack of cohesion. Um, you know, one of our patrons, Brian, um, he said, his comment, he said, so many story arcs, because I said, I'm covering this era. He said, so many story arcs, the beginning of writing for the trade event crossover arcs, the treadmill the industry has been on ever since. And yeah, even though very little of this got collected, but yeah, I mean, I think coming out of the death and rain, I, I think you do see. Yeah, it's. I think this is what has always been said about this era, but I guess I was hoping like, no, like, you know, maybe that was kind of an unfair characterization, (laughs) but reading the stories, it's like, no, I think that kind of is like chasing, you know, what they had achieved earlier, but not, not getting there.
1: Well, it's like, you see this too. You like, if there's a movie series that has seven movies, the first one or second one, you're like, ah, yes. And then it's okay. They're, they're just trying to, Find that magic and back in the bottle again, and they just they just can't recreate it.
0: I guess the last thing I'll say I think with the death of Clark Kent, there was there was some missing ingredient. I think part of it, the stories go out of their way. I mm-hmm. felt to make it clear to us that Conduit has not told anyone. It's like issue after issue where the minions yeah. are like, "Oh, why are they want this this old couple in Kansas?" Like. It's very clear, and then Shadow Dragon, when he does Superman is solid, he erases all the references to Superman Mm -hmm. in Pipeline, but then through the magic of the internet, this gets extended, and it's like every digital reference to Superman anywhere is is erased. So I was like, all right. Um, so they really go out of their way and I, and I, I get that, you know, because then I guess Superman can have peace of mind. Like, okay, I can resume my life. And, you know, he has some debate about whether or not he even wants to go back to being Clark and, you know, Lois puts him through this test where she's like, go get a cup of coffee as Superman. And he sees the way everyone reacts to him. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like maybe if the reveal of the identity had been more of a threat, like that, that wasn't Kenny's agenda. Like he really wanted to just punish, kill the people in Clark's life and then ultimately kill Clark.
1: When he's in the pipeline, he's going through and even like, even that clearly female general, we have no idea what happens to her, by the way, he, he knocks out everybody in the room. We know, we never know who that person is and what happened to her. Clearly he finds out, oh, like Kenny didn't share with anybody that my secrets, are, which you thought would be kind of smart. Like this for Kenny to go, if something happens to me, go share the secret, but no. All right. Somewhere I think we should end this conversation to connect us to like closer to the present is we talk so much about Superman worrying about the release of his identity, but we've all read the Bendis stuff that is recent where now that's not a, that's not an issue. Like everybody now knows that Superman is Clark Kent. How has that changed Current comics where now there is no secret identity that's that's where my wonder is like, is there a tension that is now just gone?
0: Yeah, so you know, as we're recording this, we are approaching the period in the Philip Kennedy Johnson run of the current comics where Superman is coming back to Earth after his war world saga right. and. I guess that's the thing. It really hasn't been an issue for a while because Superman's right. been off world. So I, your gone. question is a good one. And that's what I'm curious to see. I, I do not like the, the public unmasking. I really feel like you lose an important aspect of the character and the tension and
1: it, it, look, and even the, the peace yeah. like that, like he has that part of his world is gone. He can't, he can't find peace. It's like you, like you have a job, but you can go home and be a dad and a husband and have a sanctuary at home. But if that's taken away, all you have is your job. That's very different. That's a different existence. So I just was curious kind of how you felt about that. Because we're seeing so much tension about Superman not wanting to lose that here, but that doesn't exist
0: anymore. I've thought about this a lot. I might do an episode at some point just on the secret identity itself because I think – I won't go on a huge rant here. I'll try to keep this short. But, and I don't mean to spoil the series finale of Supergirl for, for people either, but there's a reveal uh, you know, uh, you know, that, that Kara um, brings about herself in, in that episode – and I feel like, you know, looking at that and, and looking at the Bendis run, those are, I think, two really big, recent, clear examples of this. Mm-hmm. But you see this in uh, plenty of other things. I mean, like the MCU, like they don't even buy, like that's, no. they don't do secret identities. Yeah. Um, but especially like with the Supergirl finale and the Bendis run, um, I feel like it's being turned or it's, the reveal is, is sort of being equated to, you know. Uh, speaking your truth and living your authentic life, being your authentic self.
1: Right.
0: And I wholeheartedly support that in terms of, you know, gender identity and sexual orientation and all of that. A thousand percent, everyone should yeah. be who they are and, exactly. and proudly. But I feel like that's getting, I feel like that's getting conflated with the secret identity. And it's like, you know, you, you can't be your true self, right? If you have the secret identity, but I don't know. It's like a different context and a different purpose and it serves the story in a different way. But I, so I, but I feel like it's being used as this metaphor, I guess.
1: Yes. Um, and so that's the, word my, I, yeah. the word identity has been such a almost buzzword that is such a part of our culture shifting, which, again, like you said, I agree with. But in this context, a dual identity is important in the fact that they are really two different people. And they they need to exist in the same universe, but separate, in order to be the best version of themselves, and that is where I get upset. By the, the, the we have torn that apart over after eighty years of doing pretty well with it.
0: Yeah, and look, I don't want to bag on the, all the bend the stuff again. I have a whole episode on that. But yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> you know, like he bent over backwards in those stories to yes. make it that like Clark could still go to work. At the Daily Planet, it's like in what this—I mean, like in what world? So I, I found a lot of that to be ridiculous. I think we lost more than we gained. But look, yeah. I'm curious, especially as we get into stories now where he's back on Earth, and I, I you know, I, I would be curious to see what what form this takes. But I think the identity reveal—you lose. I think you just lose far more than than you gain. So.
1: And I thought I think if anything, that's a good way to end because we we can bridge the gap now as to why the death like that. This story arc has some merit because you understand why it's so important to him. Yeah. How we, how we got there eh, might not have been great.
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing I always say and why I find this whole process so worthwhile because I, I, even when I don't enjoy the reading so much, I always enjoy the conversation. So I exactly still, like, right. That's the thing. Like I'm getting, and hopefully for the audience too, whether you you know you've read or reread or not, but yeah. you know even if what we're talking about isn't always the most enjoyable, the the conversation itself always is. At least for us. Hopefully the audience agrees. Uh, well, so yeah. I got a lot out of it. So thank you.
1: Yeah, and I think I think if anything that uh, the pandemic and us getting so used to being apart podcasts have blown up because we missed that concept of sitting around a table for a bunch of hours, whether it be with cups of coffee or a bunch of glasses of whiskey and, and sitting and just having a conversation and geeking out like this for two and a half hours, you know, as as our spouses slowly walk away from the table and leave us talking <laughs> about it. Um, now we've got a forum that we can have a good conversation. And even if it's just you and me talking, Somebody else can listen to the entire thing or fast forward and go, oh, they're still talking about this. Oh, that's neat. I mean, I hope hope everybody can enjoy something, but I always enjoy the fact that you and I get together and and have that sit around the table talk. So it's fun.
0: Yeah, I I love doing this and I I love having you on. So thank you, as always, for taking part. I look forward to the next time we'll do this. And in fact, people will be hearing you again not too long from now. So make sure you stay tuned, especially as we approach a very important November date, a certain milestone uh, for the Man of Steel. You might be hearing Bernie on the show again around then. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And of course, we will be back next week with part four of our seven part Death to Wedding event. And as I said earlier, uh, we'll be talking about the death and return of Superman video game. I'll be joined by Jeremy Frutkin, who's been on the show a bunch of times. Nice. And like I said, I recorded it already. It's a lot of fun. Even if you're not a video game person, we made it. It works for everyone. Trust me. So even if you're not a video game person, make sure you tune in. It's a lot of fun. And for those of you who do know the game, I mean, we really got into it um, and we played it we, all the way through. So we really had a pretty thorough conversation about it.
1: <laughs> I love I love that you can pawn off research for a podcast to, to, to spending three hours playing a video game.
0: <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, look, I know people play video games for recreation and that's awesome. But yeah. right? It's like that. that's- always, We don't, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like- I can justify it because it's like, well, it's material for the show. (laughs) (laughs) So again, that will be next week. Make sure you tune in. And until then, as always, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Support the show and receive exclusive additional content, including my DC movie rewatch podcast at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show. Also, be sure to explore the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which is home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, all hosted by yours truly. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more. Thank you all.